You are listening to the Savage Fincast, episode 106, Dragons, Tigers, and Bears. Oh my. Chicago. The criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in his terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. This is the Savage Fincast, the show that henshin a go-go, baby. My name is Jim. I'm Craig Olson. I'm Raven Perez. And welcome again to another episode of the Savage Fincast. We, as far as we know, the only podcast on the internet that talks about Savage Dragon and its creator, Eric Larson, exclusively. Ten years strong, baby. Congratulations to us. Yeah, no one else was saying it. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks, us. I'm a, I'm excited. November is our actual 10 year, but you know we're getting close to it, and uh, hopefully we can think of something cool to do for is it. Is that when we get 10 year? Mm-hmm. Yes. They can't let us go, so we can start acting That's right. so weird. We can't let ourselves go. <laughs> you know, there's never going to be another place for me to tell this. I knew a professor, and as soon as he got tenure, he said he was going to show his ass the whole time. As soon as he got tenure, he started <laughs> acting crazy and was like, one of the craziest things I ever saw him do is he stapled, like, sandwich cheese, packet and all, to the wall. You're just outside of his office. I thought you were going to say to his ass. Well, I mean, that's the only way it could be crazier. You'd go to see him and his fucking, like, the wall beside his door would just be covered with sandwich cheese. Stapled. Wait, covered? It's covered, dude. Like, fucking... I, I was thinking, like, one pack or something. No, like, dude, one slice. a lot. <laughs> like... That's just... Why? Because he was tenured and there was nothing they could do. It was a flex. Is this art school? Yeah. (laughs) Makes sense. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Watch Art School Confidential, the the movie based on the Daniel Close comic. It's fucking how it is. It is. It's right. It's completely accurate. Murderer and all. So anyway, what? wait, what? Wait, wait, wait. I missed that. Murder and all. I guess I got to watch that movie. Murder and all. Anyway. So yeah, anyway, uh we got a little bit of news to talk about. Uh just a little. Just a little. Let me just kick this off with uh we got Eric Larson is apparently on a uh uh variant cover bender. We got <laughs> announced alternate covers for uh Image Series's crossover number 6. And Geiger number one. Uh, crossover is a series by oh shoot, who's draw who's doing that? Donny Cates. Oh, that's a Don. That's right. That's a Donny Cates series. Um, it's kind of a. I'm reading it and I like it. Um, it's basically the story of the uh, what happens when a comic book universe crashes into the real world. 
during uh like their like the comic book universe is like having a uh, cosmic crisis of some sort and it causes a city to materialize in quote unquote the real world and the kind of ramifications that has uh eric's cover is just dragon punching at witchblade mm-hmm. uh in the background there is regular series character with a with a big sword that's plot relevant as of the last issue uh, there's a spawn on that cover too very tiny spawn like yeah I think there was Ben Grimm. Yeah, there was a bunch of like uh, Marvel hero like off to the edges. Yeah, uh, there yeah. was a there's color inverted Superman. I don't want anyone uh, yeah, being yeah. shitty to us. Donny Cates wrote it, but like D. Knife and Jeff Shaw are the artists. Yes. So don't come after there's us. A, okay, we fucking I'm, know Donny is a writer. I'm not going to spoil it, but I at least know for a couple issues there's another major independent character that's oh he's on the he's plays on, a role he's on the covers now. I don't feel too bad about spoiling it, but you talking about uh, you know who man? Yes, you know yes. who man indeed. Okay. Um, I'm going to be a straight shooter as much as uh, Jim likes crossover. I hate it that equal amount. I <laughs> so I'm going to say uh, I had a very painful experience of I canceled my. Uh, crossover pool list i was like i don't want this and they're like oh sorry man too bad and i was like no no it's fine don't worry about it and um <laughs> then here comes this goddamn variant and i'm now i gotta walk in there like a fucking shamed asshole and be like can i get <laughs> can i get a crossover <laughs> variant cover number six eric larson i hope he doesn't and they're I gonna shame you for yeah they for will dragon being on the cover dude they are they're gonna shame me so hard dude Okay. Uh, uh, a note about the crossover cover. So Eric's cover can be ordered in any quantity that the comic shop wants to order it in. But apparently there's a 1 in 100 foil variant that I guess you get for ordering 100 copies. Holy crap. Which seems like a lot for this series. Yeah. There's only a couple of major stores I can think of probably would yeah, order that many. But... Exactly. So if you're a Yikes. super duper 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 Savage Dragon completionist... Maybe it's time to give it up. <laughs> Stuff outside the highbrow universe doesn't count for completionists. I suppose. Does it not? Because I'm just making myself feel better because <laughs> I'm not getting a foil cover. Can I say I love the way Eric draws uh, Witchblade, though? Oh, yeah. he's. I've always thought he kind of drew her kind of pretty cool. Uh, even back, the, when, um, back when he was doing the image uh, team-up stuff. I like the giant sword. Oh, yeah. Giant sword is plot relevant. Giant sword it's is from Godland. Cool. Is it from Godland? Um, is it specifically from Godland? Yep. Okay, so I've never seen Godland, so I actually thought it was something else. But that actually makes more sense. Readers with a keen eye know that Godland had a Savage Dragon variant. Well, I mean, Godland... Oh, the, of like the Savage Dragon number one yeah. uh, parody type thing? Yep. What a homage, homage? Yeah, remember when everyone was doing homages? Well, yeah. there were, well they, Dragon had a straight-up crossover with Godland. During World Did Tour. He? Unless that was the other Not God. Oh, oh wait, that was Sherwood. God Country. Yeah, yeah. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. This is God Land that Donnie Cates wrote. Another Donnie Cates book. Oh, right. Yeah, that makes right. sense. No, you guys are wrong. God God Country is what he wrote. God Country? God Land is Tom Shelley. Yeah, God Land is Tom Stoley. God damn it, so I'm wrong. <laughs> wait, so what's the sword from? God Country. Ah, uh, God Country. By Tom Scioli. No, God, no, God damn it. God damn it. 
Is this a bit? God land is Tom Scholey. No sword. Okay. God country has a sword and had the homage cover. Okay. And was God written damn by it, Donnie the words from my mouth. That was, again, it was another one of those that I, I started it and I was like, mm, I can't stick with this. I do kind of hope Dragon shows up in the series because he totally could and that would be fun. Would he, if, question to you as a fan, uh, if he was like, or actually this is probably you're reading it anyway and liking it, question to Craig. Um, Craig, if Dragon recurs uh, in crossover the way that you know who man does is apparently recurring. Are you going to pick up crossover for those dragon cameos? Yes. A, because we're going to have to talk about it on the fin cast. Oh no, you're right. right? Oh, and, I forgot. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you, Raven. I'm teetering on dropping it, but I haven't pulled the trigger yet. And now that this cover has come out. I can't pull the trigger because I got to well, see the what's in, inside. The interesting thing about it is, is that so far, for the most, well, actually, it's a lie. Okay, I was about to say something that that ended up being wrong, because the weird part is it has almost as many Dark Horse character crossovers as it does Image at this point. It's all Donny Cates properties. Well, no, secret. well, no, because you know who man isn't Donny Cates. Well, I mean, yeah, but they work together. Pr- well, I think right? right, but those 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 Dark Horse crossovers were still Donny Cates books. All right, fair enough. So that that's why he owns the IP. Well, that makes sense yeah. then. So that's where those characters that you're thinking of came from. They're Donny Cates books, so like he owns those characters. But you are correct. It is weird. I was reading that issue, and it was like, on sale from Dark Horse now. And I was like, weird. <laughs> well, I mean, the title of the book is called Crossover. It would right. be pretty crappy if it wasn't a crossover with any other characters of course crossover is double meaning in this case because it's comic books crossing over with the real world sure but it's got to have some of each meaning i guess oh my god what there's a coloring error on this cover you sure about that look at dragon's left bicep you're gonna have to give you're gonna have to give me a second because i'm not looking at it right now Okay, well, that's what I'm saying. They made the shirt too long? Yeah. Shirt's too long on his left arm, and clearly Eric drew the line. Uh, Hope someone got fired for that. I'll rake you over the coals! No, I'm kidding. Um, All right, hold on. Left arm. Left arm. So the one closest to us. Go from the pinky, go to the pinky of the left fist, and go straight down. Oh, I see. So, like, so that's... Tell me that shouldn't be green. I guess it probably should be green, yeah. I'm t- I don't it's care. okay. I don't it's care. not that big a deal. Yeah, I really don't give a fuck. Yeah, I'm it's joking. pretty minor. I'm being dramatic. I like, how, <laughs> I like how they gave it the retro colors and worn out look. It also yeah, is I, interesting, I kind it. of interesting that it's Dragon and not Malcolm. Um, they requested classic Dragon. Oh, cowards. Yep. That Okay. Yep. How do you know that? Uh, somebody asked. They said, why was it Dragon and not Malcolm? And Eric said it was Dragon by their request. I, uh, I also don't think Witchblade looks like this anymore. They probably She like, all covered up now? I don't know. Yeah, she is. For, for a, new, a new era? Yeah, new Witchblade does not look like that. <laughs> what about Geiger, guys? I feel like we've wrote a small oh, novel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Geiger <laughs> cover, of course. 
Uh, I don't know a lot about Geiger. It's like a post-apocalyptic superhero thing. Right. Uh, I mean, Eric's cover is pretty cool because Eric draws really good skulls. Yeah. I love it. I love this cover. Geiger is clearly some kind of radioactive skeleton man uh, in a cloak. Does that kind of get you hyped a little bit? A little bit. They call him Joe Glow or the Meltdown Man. Glow Bones. I always like the Eric covers where like the heads are like close up. Ah. Look screaming. at this is scary guy tired? jumping at me. <laughs> There's all these mutants. Of course, you know, the classic bat wing helmet thing. The guy under the signature, he's like, that guy's got a new dick. <laughs> yes, that's what that... he's pointing at. Look at the pointing <laughs> finger and tell me that's not what he's saying. He's oh not, my god, that dickless guy's coming right For the listeners, a, a mutant is pointing to uh, the skeleton's penis. <laughs> That's what I say. I'd be like, hey, do you guys have that issue, that comic? Um, it's hard. I can't remember the title, but on a cover, there's a mutant pointing at a uh, skeleton's lack of a boner. And they'd be like, oh, Geiger, number one. Yes. Got it. Glow crotch, number one. <laughs> um, uh, no, it's... It, it's good to see Eric on these covers, you know. I, I always like when he gets, you know, the props and people ask him to do variants and stuff like that. We don't get enough of them. Yeah, and agreed. I totally agree. And I think that, you know, covers are a huge strength of his. Um, you know, he has Savage Dragon as some of the best fucking covers in the biz. And, yeah, I love to see Eric, like, getting out there, stretching his, you know, legs and doing other shit. So, fuck yeah, dude. It's fantastic. Both of these covers look excellent. It's also fun, especially in the crossover, to see you know old school dragon on a cover again. Oh yeah, dude! It's, hey, only, uh, it's only been a few months. <laughs> I'm gonna make you guys choose. A I mean, baby. old school cop dragon. Which which cover do you uh, prefer? What between the two crossover yeah. dagger? Yeah, yeah, uh, you gotta pick. I mean, I'm gonna go crossover because I kind of think it's a classic superhero action pose thing i mean geiger is too but there's only one guy jumping there <laughs> yeah you crossover just because all the the image guys on there and stuff it's just fun yeah same totally same yeah i give it to it it's not like you could do that on geiger though you know right I mean. right right it's unfair <laughs> There's a third cover. Yeah, we also got a cover for Savage Dragon uh, 262. So I had to do a double take when I saw this cover because it seemed really familiar. And that's because issue 261 also has Malcolm and Paul, in that case, jumping through a glass plate window. Here it's just them fighting a bunch of VC goons, including everyone's favorite, uh, Fountainhead. Oh, and apparently uh, those are... uh, Wait... Are those, um, shoot, what, not Warren Terror, the other one with the pants. <sighs> Rootehead? No, Roughneck. Roughneck. <laughs> oh, the other one with the pants. Yeah, Roughneck. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, uh, he confirmed that that is, uh, Chaos. Oh, yeah, Chaos in the foreground, yeah. Yep, Chaos in the foreground. Which is cool, we haven't seen Chaos in Control in a long time, right? In a long time, yeah. Uh, we saw them briefly in a panel when the VC was coming to Canada. Kate, uh, chaos. Here's a, this is a really big reach. Uh, remember way, way, way back when, well, way, way, way back within the last 10 years, 
uh, Eric introduced the the uh, second generation VC kids. Yeah. Remember yeah. that first cover they appear on? Chaos is on that cover, but never appears actually in the story. He I don't is? remember. Wow. I'll have to pull it up and show you. But yeah, if you look on that page, there's a there's a chaos looking monster character among that group, and that uh-huh. character never shows up in that story. Oh, I'm sorry. Like there was going to be like a young chaos guy? Possibly. I don't know. I mean, he does look a bit smaller than what chaos looks like. Fair point. Let's take a look at this. I do. Am I crazy or is at some point it was established that control got killed? Uh, no, he never. Yeah, did. in the old uh, in the old universe. Okay, so that never ha- that well, hasn't. Yeah. There's no confirmation that happened in this universe. Right, he's around in this universe. Okay, so maybe he, it's chaos and control. Hopefully, we'll actually mm-hmm. see him because chaos and chaos and control are pretty are pretty cool. We do see them. I mean, I, it's like I want to say it's like two fifty one or something that we saw them for a panel, like in the background. Yeah, I don't recall. Anyway. Hold on. I'm but looking yeah, cool, at that cool cover, though. 180. Oh, you're right, Jim. Uh, 187 for the listener. In the background, you totally see what looks like chaos with no control. Yeah. Good uh, eye, dude. Like baby chaos. I remember at the time it was weird that they was on the cover, but wasn't in the story. We never talked about that, did we? Did, we, did you I ever don't... mention that on the actual FinCast? I don't, I don't think it, we did. I mean, it was issue 187. We did it, like, freaking seven years ago. Right. Yeah. You have to it's go just back funny and listen. You know, <laughs> screw that. Yeah. yeah, we ain't looking back. Only forward. Yeah, I don't why. feel like we ever discussed that, though. No, I think yeah, it's funny. That's I'm why thinking when it. Jim said that, I was like, wait, what the hell? <laughs> like... What? Did we really not talk about that? It's fucking wild. It's hilarious. Hmm. So what else wow. we got? So uh, coming in the pipeline, uh, years in the making, we finally got confirmation that uh, Ant 12, Ant issue 12 is officially done. Now, Ant was that series uh that Mario Gully did for Image, I don't know, how many years ago was it? Ten years ago? Fourteen. And fourteen, Eric uh, ended up purchasing. Uh, most people that listen to our podcast know we've been kind of clamoring for this and interviewing Eric about when this was going to come out. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was finally solicited uh, for June 9th um, of this year. Um, so it's confirmed. It's going to be a one-shot at this point to kind of close up the series. It's going to tie up... Uh, uh, the original, well, I guess it's not the original series, but the image series of Ant. Um, but it's, I don't think it's necessary to read the uh, previous issues. Um, I think Eric said that once that's done, he's going to start over from one. Is that the way you guys understand that it? Is that's, that is how I took it. This is the conclusion of the 12-issue uh, issue series, and then he'll do his own thing following that. Right. And the cover's got Ant, and it's got Daredevil, um, the dynamic Daredevil, or whatever you want to call him. What is it? Um, the golden age daredevil. Yes. Jumping kind of at the, in the reader's face. Looks like they're jumping off a building or something. So I don't want to get us too much on a tangent on this, but uh, on Twitter, uh, when this uh, issue 12 was being discussed, um, apparently I guess Gully did some pages for this issue. Yeah. A really? A long time ago. 
Like yep. apparently Eric did like really rough layouts. The layout for the whole issue. Yeah. And Gully was supposed to do the issue based upon it. And he did a page in a sewer fight, but he changed what Eric had drawn. In fact, he changed one panel very dramatically to have... Uh, I remember this. ...have yeah. Ant sticking her crotch in some guy's face. Right. Which was, and Eric got pissed about yeah, it. Yeah. Apparently, that's kind of what, what broke the camel's back on the idea of Gully actually finishing the series. Or at least that's that what it looks like. But yeah, he uh, because he went off script so much, so badly... Uh, Eric, Eric shows the side by side, showing his roughs, what Gully did, and what the final page for what Eric did look like on his Twitter. And it's oh, is uh, that recent that he did that? Uh, here, I will actually link this to you. And you cool. can well, the listeners. You, 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 but I mean, so you can describe what you're seeing because I'm apparently <laughs> bad at it. No, I know what you mean. Ant's doing the uh, trope of killer thighs, where she wraps her. You know, feet around a dude's uh, head and breaks his neck, and like the guy's got his mouth out, like, and, like his tongue is out. And, Craig, yeah. it's, in, it's in the Discord. Uh, chat. Yeah, you can see his tongue is like almost on her hoo hoo. <laughs> and he's like getting his neck broken by thighs, you know, but that yeah, trope. I guess this page must have been done years ago now long time ago i remember i remember when this happened and i guess i didn't realize this was actually going to be the 12 issue 12 but now you say it it makes sense i think the initial plan was to have gully finish the series and then eric would do his own thing and because that was it and because this happened that didn't happen and so eric is doing it himself there's an added wrinkle sorry craig there's one last thing there's an added wrinkle that the character that Daredevil is is replacing a character that they don't have the rights to use too. Apparently, right? Because yes. apparently, at some point, some later Ant issues included a character that he doesn't have the rights to. In fact, right. those those issues aren't even available digitally as a result of that. Right. Uh, yeah. And so Daredevil has to be slotted in uh, to make it make sense based on what Eric had scripted all those years ago. Right. And I, I just remember this was like before Eric was doing the explicit stuff in Savage Dragon. Oh yeah, so he was yeah. Like, so it's now, funny because yeah, it's funny because Eric could do that, <laughs> totally do that now, and we wouldn't yeah. bat an eye. Yeah, it wouldn't matter at all, right? <laughs> but I think he wants a different direction for Ant. Yeah, Ant's not supposed but. to be that. Um, I will say that uh, thank God that he is starting over. I know he really went back and forth about whether or not he should start over, like, with, like, 12, then 1. Right. But, like, thank God, dude. Starting over is the best plan, yes. Yeah, it sounds like... Honestly, doing this 12th issue is probably kind of a speed bump in and of itself. Yeah, Uh, yeah. It's hard hard to say if it's really the the smartest move, because it ultimately might cause confusion. It's it's gonna. It's gonna. I don't agree with him doing this 12. Just cut and, and start over, like... I don't know. What do you what do you gain from doing this? I think it's just part of Varric's OCD of wanting to finish the series off right, right. and start new. But at this point, like you know, it's a fourteen year old property that hasn't seen the light of day yeah. over a decade. It, so it's kind of nuts. Nobody though. remembers. Well, you say that, but I remember when this cover came out, when the solicitation came out, it got a lot of social media buzz. At least people who remember Ant. Yeah, but are those people gonna like the new version? Well, that's, that's my question. It's a question it's, because I think people were there for Gully's art, and 
Eric is a great artist, but he's not the same style. Right. So, I mean, I prefer this. I love this, and I can't stand Gully's art. <laughs> so, win for me. But is that going to be... Right. It's just weird and confusing. It's First of all, I mean, the sales for a 12 versus the sales for an issue one. So, yeah. if you're going to come out with something brand new, just come out with a one, get the sales. You're going to risk coming out with a 12. Half the audience is going to understand, you know read it and thinking they're going to get gully and not like it. Is that going to hurt your first issue sales now? But you know, Hey, it's Eric's, it's Eric's deal. And we're just, we're just along for the ride. I'll enjoy it either way, but just a questionable decision on my end. No, I I, I agree. I, I totally agree. I think that like, obviously we're going to be super happy. Like I can't wait for like Eric's take on ant. Like I'm fucking stoked. And have been stoked since the whole, like, you know, Spawn, Ant, Malcolm, like, triple crossover. I've been so hyped to learn about, like, Gadget Man and the conspiracy to take over the Earth by rich people and all that shit. All that stuff was awesome. But I feel like issue number 12 is a potential to just confuse the market. (laughs) Like, people, I think, will look at it and be like, what, 12, what, one? I don't know. People are stupid is all. Clearly, he should have stealth dropped it like Kirkman. Uh, You know what, Jim? A stealth drop actually would have been perfect. Because there would have been no chance for confusion. And it would have just been like, oh, shit, here this thing is. Oh, excitement, oh. I'm also not sure about incorporating Daredevil. Yeah, I I don't. It's good to see him. It's been a while. Yeah. I think you want to draw some attention, do something like crossover, and get another image uh, property to use. I think the problem is, is that, like, Eric just wanted to do all characters that, like, he owns or whatever. Right. And then the problem is, is that, again, Eric has that continuity in his head. Like, he doesn't want to drag Malcolm into it, which Malcolm would be more high profile than Daredevil. But, like, Daredevil's not doing anything and Malcolm is, you know what I mean? To me, though, this is, like, issue 12, you know, he's... It's it's finishing up someone else's run. So even if he never collected it and anything else, bring in, like... I mean, the thing is, he he, he can't can't even collect it. Because there's issues that can't be collected. Right. right. Like, where's it going to fit, right? right? <laughs> so so what I'm saying is, like, bring in, like, a Spawn or, I don't know, some other high-profile kind of, like, image character, maybe one of Liefeld's guys or something, and just to drum up the interest from, like, another group. Mm-hmm. And then you're not really going to collect it anyway or, you know, so you don't have to worry about that, like, someone else's character screwing up your you know, your run when you start over with issue one. Yeah, but anyway, I don't know. I don't know. He, he knows what he's doing, I guess. So he will show us. And it will be good. <laughs> we'll probably dedicate a whole episode to it. So yeah, yeah. We'll end up talking about it either way. Um, final news, uh, article. Hey, look guys, no matter what we want to say, you know, Eric's got the Midas touch. Apparently, uh, Spider-Man splash page, Sold for $50,400 in a heritage auction. Uh, it was originally Holy an interior. <laughs> yeah, right. 
Uh, it was originally an interior splash page from The Amazing Spider-Man number 330, page 6. Uh, that was back in 1990. It got repurposed for a cover later. That's The Amazing Spider-Man number 1 variant in 2018. And uh, the current owner is entertaining but not necessarily accepting offers above $75,600 as of this recording. So That's so stupid. You well, just, he just, just bought, bought it. it. <laughs> I mean, the, the funny thing is, is, the value of original art only ever goes up. Should have. Never, de- never depreciates. Yeah, he, he just bought it, though. Like, if someone really wanted it for that much, they could have bid on it. Should, should have attached an 000. NFT, made sold it for millions. <laughs> That's just wild, though. Not, I mean, it's... it's Yeah. It's, I don't know. who Who is the type buying this? It's purely people for just investment reasons. Money launderers. Because... It's it's just <laughs> too much for an original piece of art. Well, you're not, well that's remember, the thing, you're not buying the art. See, that's the thing about NFTs. I, I don't want to get into this too much, but when you buy the NFTs, the NFT is actually where all the value is because NFTs are scarce, or at least they're artificially right. scarce, and there's a belief that they'll have significant value in the future. So people aren't <laughs> buying art for millions of dollars. They're buying the NFTs for millions of dollars. The thing for me, what I don't understand about comic book art, like I understand fine art because you you taught that in school. Everyone knows fine art. And I understand like now Jack Kirby art just like blew up. I remember, you know, 20 years ago when you could get like a Jack Kirby piece well, in the hundreds of dollars. Craig, but there's a there's a wrinkle in all this I don't think you might be fully aware of. The fine art industry is largely a scam for money laundering. And other criminal activity. Some of it and is, but investors most, most in the, of it is. <laughs> a lot of it is, and investors are looking for other places to go. And comic art is just so happens to be the next kid on the block. Yeah, but I, what I'm saying is, so there's there's a certain level of popularity to pop art because it's way more famous than a lot of comic art. So when when but it's, you know, but so right now a lot, a, lot of, a lot of it's artificial fame though created because of the amount uh, of money that they're sold for. But I just don't see comics like in another lifetime, another generation when when we're like, you know, in our 60s or 70s or whatever it is, people aren't going to be as into comics or know these names and appreciate this. Are, this, are the sales of this going to plummet? I mean, how do the, how do they it, like I said, it, how does it, this art, it's, does it's, this art sustain? It's artificially inflated in value. It, it, the, 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 the price will sustain because the pyramid scheme it's part of will need to be maintained. Yeah. What Jim, what Jim's sort of implying is that the value is whatever they say the value is. So I get it. But at what point do they move on to the next thing? Because well, there you go. just, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I just feel I feel like part of it too, though, is also that people our age now and older that grew up with comics are even older than us have the money now too. That also pushes the market. You know, all the people that grew up in the '90s are now in their 40s and 50s and have the extra money to, to spend on art in our. So it's not all. I mean, and I'm not talking about the stuff that's fifty thousand dollars. You know, there's people the, Joe Schmoes like me that are spending item, thousands of dollars. In the news item itself is the explanation to this. The mm-hmm. guy just bought it, and it's already for sale. Right. That's the scam. No, I I get that. I, I guess I should be talking more about like low, like the lower cost stuff. Like I, you know, buy, even buying just like. 
like I said, I could buy a Kirby for 300 bucks back in the day, and I could still afford, if I really wanted to spend the money, I could get like a crap per Kirby Well, back in the day, Kirby was still alive. And drop a lot. No, I'm even talking about 20 years ago. But there, anyway. There's another element to this, though, and there is also potentially the just the pure speculator, like return on an investment. Right. Because, not to be grim, but... There are not many significant names for Spider-Man artists that are alive currently that are, like, producing work. You got, like, McFarlane and Larson are, like, Spider-Man names. On top of that, Eric lost a lot of the Spider-Man art in the house fire. And so... So it's not a lot available. Right. The scarcity is right there. And, I mean, again... It's kind of like how recent Savage Dragon issue prices have jumped. Right. Because yeah. there is a scarcity of them because it's their low print runs. Right. Whether anyone actually like ever like cares in the future, who knows, or does it even matter at this point? Because right now I is just, when it matters. Well, that's what I'm saying. The collector that passes this on, is this stuff going to hold its value once the comic market dies down and, and the people that were into this Typically it doesn't. have like, moved on? Like the uh, Nintendo, classic Nintendo games had that where they were like all sky high and then they all just like dropped down because like just nobody cares anymore. Well, you say that. I know the story you're talking about. <laughs> the Mario. Yeah. yeah, the sealed Mario Kart that went for six digits, I think. Right, yeah. Well, obviously there's exceptions, but... I'm saying that, like, for the most part, you're not going to find somebody that wants to buy Little Samson for, like, fucking, you know, $7,000 anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, no one gives a shit. Like, that's, that, that is gone is what I'm saying. I'm looking for Samson. Uh, I'm pretty sure Little Samson still goes for, like, $600. Whatever. You see what I'm saying? But you're just trying to be. I I'm just saying about... I think your, your data might be wrong. <laughs> Right. Why don't you buy? Check your facts. Why don't you buy a Spider-Man splash page for seventy-five thousand? Then big spender. Like you posted that uh, that that Kickmaster game, like right? a couple weeks ago. Some right. random obscure late-gen Super Nintendo game. I did the research. Two hundred dollars for that game. Right. Loose. Not even in a box. Right, but you know, I'm saying that that same game probably would have gone for six hundred like five years ago. Uh, I actually don't think that's the case. I'm pretty sure stuff's still trending upwards, especially on the obscure. On God the obscure damn, end. just shitting all over your theories. Oh, what a dick! <laughs> I'm just, I'm just check your data, Raven. I'm, what I'm saying though is that there is a interest for people who buy these yeah. things to keep the market growing. Yes, it's a bubble, but the bubbles haven't burst yet. Right. And all Craig is saying is, like, when does the bubble burst? And I'm just adding to that that it, it does eventually burst. Like, Beanie Babies don't have value if no one gives a shit about Beanie Babies. Even though I mean, there's some stuff that transcends, like a Van Gogh or something that's just, you know, it's classical or it's, I don't know. I'm just wondering if comics will at some point just kind of fade away and, and the value will plummet or if they'll always, you know, it'll turn into some kind of classical type Art will always be valued. Well, where Spider-Man is a good investment in that sort of like in that way, where Spider-Man's a good investment is that here is clearly a piece of art that was made in 1990, and even even fucking Marvel reused it in 2018. Right. So, I mean, this is a character that is owned by goddamn Disney that'll change the law to maintain their copyright if they need to. 
So it's kind of a good bet that Spider-Man will hold his value. Yeah. It's not, it's not just Eric in this equation. This is a pinup of Spider-Man by a prominent Spider-Man artist. Who doesn't make more Spider-Man art. Right, who's never going to make more Spider-Man art. Like, he's just like, meh. So. Unless he goes back like he did last year. All right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Check your facts. Check your facts. <sighs> With that, I think we should get into the next... Uh, the next bit. It would be. I would be interested if you would move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna get into our interesting conversations bit. This is uh, where we come up with a topic, or we use uh, one of you uh, listeners' topics uh, to uh, just have a nice little discussion and think things through. You, you know, something surrounding uh, or or pertaining to Savage Dragon, and um, for last. Uh, Regular episode, our interesting conversation uh, dealt with the recent news of Spawn, and we asked, um, in light of the news that Spawn will now have three new ongoing series, so that there's a new Spawn, uh, new issue of Spawn every single week of the year, um, if you had your say, what three Savage Dragon companion titles would you introduce to fill every week of the year with Savage Dragon? And so we had a, a great discussion, and then we got some good reader input, and uh, we're going to go ahead and, and dive into that right now. So uh, why don't you kick us off, Jim? All right, we got, what up, Finheads? Taking after Todd's Year of Spawn proclamation, the Year of the Savage Dragon. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Year of the Savage Dragon, I mean Savage Dragon. I think there was a... Sorry, I'm tripping. So, sorry, uh, listener. There's a. Seems like they were making a joke, but I don't see what the joke was. He's taking out the the like Eric. Took oh, out the. okay, okay, okay. Anyway, <laughs> he just shit on your joke. <laughs> so, um, let's start over. T- taking after Todd's year of spawn proclamation, the year of the savage dragon. I mean, savage dragon sounds like a plan. Ant was on my list, and it looks like that is one on the way, which is great news. Uh, three spinoffs I'd like to see. God Squad, with art by Scioli or Art Adams, would be great to get a refresher on Larson's Pantheon of Gods, Demigods, and Wannabe Gods. William and Rita, hey, if WandaVision can be a hit, why can't the exploits of a depowered suburban couple living in the Larsonverse work? Here's a quick plot. William borrows Greta Gearbox and unwittingly reactivates her sex doll programming, bringing his marriage to the brink. Or it just ends up spicing up his and Rita's sex life. Very good. Uh, the Vicious Circle. It would be interesting to see if a villainous organization could make a good team comic book. The closest thing I can think of is a comic like this is Suicide Squad from DC uh, and Thunderbolts from Marvel. However, the VC is much larger than a hired team and is more along the lines of a, the Legion of Doom, Serpent Society, or numerous super criminal organizations. I think this idea speaks of my interest in getting deeper into the VC and its lore and legends. Maybe have a character infiltrate the VC who has ties to Malcolm and or the Chicago PD, following them to Canada and getting in on the ground level of their relocation and reformation there. Uh, the latest cast was awesome. Keep on, li- uh, keep on keeping on. Tony M. Nice. To say those are like really good suggestions. The vicious circle idea is pretty interesting, um, if only because villain books are are interesting, but they're also very hard to do. Um, I'm trying to think. There are a lot of there are other examples, not a lot, 
Uh, Suicide Squad is a good example, but Suicide Squad has the hook where the villains are basically being forced to do what they're t- told, so they do heroics only by proxy. Yeah. Uh, Thunderbolts, generally the Thunderbolts are faking being heroes, and several members may be trying to reform, some not, so you get that kind of inner inner team conflict. Then you get stuff like, uh, you get stuff like, um, Secret Society of Supervillains, which I haven't actually read. I'm not really sure what the hook on there is, but it seems like it has a, like a main superhero character uh, as like the actual POV character. Then there's stuff like um, there's Marvel's uh, supervillain team up, which was all over the place because it changed creative teams like every issue. Right. Um, the, I'm glad you brought up all this because the thing I wanted to say, and you brought it up, so it's perfect, is that I feel like the genius thing about a VC book that focuses on villains is that a lot of the North American comic uh, villain books have featured in some way an excuse to have the main characters do heroics, whether they're forced to do it to maintain cover or whether they accidentally do it. Like in the case of the Joker solo book, like, oops, the Joker saved the day. And how many times can you keep that going, right? <laughs> but it's like, what would be cool is to see a comic where it's not about, uh, you know, you're not, you don't have a hero. You have a protagonist. You know, right. it's just, he's not good. It's like Scarface. Scarface is not good. He's just I the think, guy you're fucking basing the story around. I think the best modern example of something like this would be like Mark Miller's Wanted. Excellent right. example. But in that case, well, the villains have already won. And it's more of like, what, the inner, like, personal, like, play of, like, that post-hero lifestyle. Dude, there's all kinds you can you do, know, like, power struggles. It, be, it, it shouldn't be it, it shouldn't be hard. I mean, one of the greatest TV shows of all times was The Sopranos. Yeah. So, basically, you know, it's a mob. Yeah. You know, like, you can make that in comics. You can have backstories of what's going on, in per- like you said, in their personal lives, too, or and the, things like that. I think it would be super interesting. And the cool thing is, is Eric's already established that the VC goes on and has family and, like, make has, right. has children and stuff. So it's like right, right now in Better Call Saul, one of the biggest plot points in Better Call Saul is people who are in deep but want out so that they can have a life. And people are hooked. Better Call Saul is like one of the hottest shows on TV. And so it's like, right. dude, you got a fucking like skull face type character who's got like a son and he's like, God damn, I got to get out of this vicious circle, dude. I just want my son to have a good life. I got to get out of here. But he can't because he's like a fucking murderer you know, for a living. It could be. Or he's a freak and no one hires him. Right. It could be so awesome. Like, yeah, yeah. These were all great, though. Like, we've been going on about the VC thing. The William and Rita thing was fucking hilarious. <laughs> That's a good suggestion. The God yeah, Squad yeah. thing. Like, these were solid as hell, dude. Yeah. All right, shall we move on to the next one? Yeah. No. All right. <laughs> no podcast. I'm no. going to anyway. All right, we'll talk a little bit longer about this letter. Um. Hey guys, expanding the Savage Dragon universe into four monthly books sounds like a great idea to me, and I'd be all over it. With that being said, here are the books I would like to see and buy as a fan. Super Patriot, a no-brainer. I like Jim's pick of Daniel Warren Johnson on creative duties. Dave Johnson on covers would be the cherry on top, in my opinion. 
Next, The Dragon. Paul and, Al- and Alex spun off into their own book. This would give us more time with them, but not at the expense of Malcolm and company. You could make this book heavier on, heavier on the world action adventure, so it was different from the main book's more domestic setting. And as an added bonus, it gives us something similar to the character dynamic we had in the cartoon series. Eric would have to write this one and maybe even do layouts. That one. Keep going. <laughs> uh, Image All-Stars, Savage Dragon, Spawn, Witchblade, Invincible, Shadowhawk. A Kirkman-Otley joint spanning the entire Image universe past and present comes with our highest recommendation. And finally, Kill Cat and Kid Avenger, Wacky. Brightly colored superhero backup strips by God Hates Astronauts Ryan Brown featured in every book. Looking forward to the new to the next Fincast. Be good. J Row. PS Raven just caught up on the latest dojo issues. You are a cartooning beast. PPS Scott James. If you're listening, what happened to Juice Man? What? Well, to answer that last one, I'm pretty sure Juice Man is uh Updated regular regularly still. Yeah, it's still it's still but rolling. But it's on, on um, was it Taco Webtoons. Tapas Ta- Tapas Tapas Yes Tapas Webtoons too, right? I'm not sure about Webtoons. And he's got issue one and two hard copies available. So still out there, still cranking out the juice. I think. And that Raven is a cartooning beast. Yep. Thank you, Jero. I appreciate it, man. I really do. I mean it. Thank you. Um, those are also killer, killer suggestions. I would read a book about Paul and Alex. Yeah, definitely. Give me that shit. Image all- All-Stars. I love those issues that Eric did. Let me ask you, before we move on to Image All-Stars, um, who he says, Jero suggests that Eric write and do layouts, which I totally agree. Who then would you two put on art chores? For the dragon, huh? I don't know. Could it be anybody or it's Yeah, it's not. Work? Nothing's jumping up at me. Anyone you want. Well. Like dead, alive, whatever. <laughs> Jack Kirby. Perfect. G- Gil Kane. I mean, okay, let's be realistic. Alive. Like what living All talent. Right, someone that just died within the past couple years. <laughs> like what, what living. Like I would put like um, a, one of our like uh, dragon regulars. Jim Lee. Like Andy Coon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah Andy, that would Andy Coon would be a good pick, yeah. And, yeah. Or, but, I mean, shit, Ryan Otley, like, whatever. I'm just <laughs> yeah. tr- trying to think who would be a good fit, is all. But it's... Nothing's jump, Nothing's coming to me. Well, let it cook. Craig, you were talking about Image All-Stars. Who are you guys putting on that? Oh, wait, Kirkman Otley. Yeah, mind. it's Kirkman Otley joint. Jared's uh, got it. I'm, I like it. I'm it's sure. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. It's good. <laughs> Wait, is this uh, Kill Cat and Kid Avenger has got backups by yeah. Ryan Brown? Who's doing the main book? There's no main book. I think the idea is that the Kill Cat and Kid Avenger comics appear in all three of these other books. Oh, yeah, dude. That's a great cheat. Yes, it is. Because he's basically, if there's Kill Cat and Kid Avenger every week... You're getting three weeks of uh, a month of Kill Cat and Kid Avenger. What a cheat. I like it, though. Yeah, that's good. Goddamn good ones, dude. Thank you, Jero, for writing. 
I guess finally. Dear Fincast compadres, aka Savage Fincast Squad. Hey guys, so as to redeem myself in the eyes of Jim, I hereby declare that Glum is my all-time favorite Savage Dragon villain. For one thing, he reminds me of my parasitic twin that I had removed. <laughs> Similar to what we see with Torment's head. Just kidding. I was just a pimple that needed popping. Seriously, though. I think it was. It was. <laughs> yeah, we read them how we get them. No. <laughs> Seriously, though, Glum literally achieved world domination and the merging of multiple worlds. It doesn't get any bigger than that. All this from the polar opposite of a physically imposing alpha male apex predator. Another motivating factor would be the humor attached to this character, something we don't see with, say, Mako or Dart. So, what say you, Jim? Yay, nay, or yay? As long as you picked one. That's all I care about. Oh, man. You did it. Gentlemen, as for the companion books to Savage Dragon, I echo all your suggestions and would include the Deadly Duo as well as Ant, a book that Eric is finally releasing. A minor correction for my main man, Craig, who said Malcolm was 6'6". I'm pretty sure he's 6'4". For the record, I'm 6'7", 300 pounds. Savage, yeah, goddamn brute! I'll never do a funny voice <laughs> ever again. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna like me um, satirus in public and just get fucking like smash my face on yeah, accident. Like Zeke, we're just gonna call him Zeke. Yeah, dude, Zeke Junior. All right. Sadly, unlike Malcolm, my zucchini isn't big enough to warrant its own zip code. <laughs> Lastly, getting personal, I like it. Lastly, one of my favorite artists is Norm Brayfogle, rest in peace, who Craig and I would love to see Eric imitate in an experimental issue, once opined that while he liked Judge Dredd, his lack of a personal life made him two-dimensional. Question for Jim. Did this ever detract from your enjoyment of the character? Would you ever see him as a family man like Malcolm? Also, as you said you like action figures... It's worth pointing out that back in 2007, Dread and Dragon, along with four other figures and their assorted extra parts, would be collected to form Dale Keown's Pit as part of the legendary comic book heroes line. As always, Raven's soothing V for Vendetta voice is the ASMR gold standard. Honorable mention for that spot-on McFarlane impression. Sincerely, Soteris Graphis. P.S. I change my mind at start. Kidding, maybe. Good choice. Well, to, to to just answer your questions real quick. Yes, I knew about the Dread and Dragon with the uh, with the legendary comic book heroes line. Uh, yep. That is effectively the closest we've ever come to an actual Dread Dragon crossover. Um, the thing about Dread, I think a lot of people who don't read Dread don't understand is Dread is not a two dimensional character. Dread has actually got a lot of depth. Right. Uh, it's just that he doesn't need a family life to have it. He doesn't, he's not allowed to have a family life. That's like part of the whole deal of being a judge is you dedicate your entire life to this job. Um, Dredd's whole deal he is, is that he is the one, how do I explain this? He is the ideal judge, whereas he lives in a world where there are no perfect people. And even Dread has his has his, has his limits. He's not 
himself perfect, but he's as good as the ideal can be. But everyone around him fails to live up to because he sets the example that no one else could follow. Oh, Dredd is that good co-worker that everyone hates. But he's not, but he's also an asshole. <laughs> but the thing about Judge Dredd is he's fair. Judge Dredd, the character himself, he is a true neutral because he judges everyone equally. Period. He doesn't play favorites at any in any regard. Uh, Does Judge Dredd bone? Oh no, yeah, the celibacy is very important in in. in what? Oh yeah, absolutely. So you're telling me that Sheesh. hot blonde from the Judge Dredd movie, no mm. boning? Absolutely not. God damn, that's a crime. Could, you I get just, if you're if you're a psy like uh, Anderson, you get lobotomized. If you're a judge like Dredd, you get sent to Titan. Get your uh, get your freaking uh, nose implanted so you can breathe in the atmosphere, and your mind rocks for the rest of your life. For having sex? Absolutely. God damn. It's a harsh world. That Dread movie, though, that she was, uh, that guy was having sex with her in her mind. She got to see that. <laughs> she got to enjoy that for a little bit. Well, yeah, what's the laws on mind sex? If it's for the, if it's to, for the law. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is actually, it's, I think it's on Amazon now or Netflix. I can't remember. I was on, I just noticed it was back, like, available. I watched it again. I like that movie. But I like, I like Dread for the same reason I like Dragon. They're both action heroes who are authority figures. They're leaders. And they are... Dragon's funny, but Dread's funny too, but in a, in a different way. Dread, Dread knows how to make... The, they make similar kind of jokes, Dragon and Dread, because they're both very darkly humorous. It's just that Dread doesn't laugh. Dread isn't ha-ha is, is... funny. Is Dread like a, a Clint Eastwood type and like a spaghetti western? Pretty, pretty much, he's out of that mold. Yes, but e- even then, you know, he's almost forty years old now uh, as a character, and he's evolved a lot since his early days. In his early days, yes, he mm. was basically just a cop on a bike and didn't have a lot of depth. But over the years, it's more that his world has become a lot more complicated, and Dread has himself has not really evolved along with it, or at least. He's evolved on a different trajectory than the world that he inhabits. I can honestly say I've never read a Judge Dredd. See, it's comic. hard to explain to people who only see the surface of Judge Dredd or only see the movies of Judge Dredd because the movies don't have enough time to go into this. Right. But Dredd is like Dragon in that he is ruthless. But he is, but he is, but he is not evil. Just to say I have. Let me just say that as a Savage Dragon fan, like, I've quit judging shit that I haven't read. So, like, if I, like, I've not read any Savage, or uh, any Judge Dread, but, like, I refuse to be like, meh, it's probably not good, or meh, I, I, I'm not going to hand I spent most of the 90s thinking Dread was, like, this weird, like, super 90s, heavy metal, grim, gritty, like, no humor, only to discover, oh my god, this is some of the most creative funny uh insane sci-fi comics on the planet it's just these comics are wild in the way that savage dragon is wild crazy characters yeah. insane villains just a world on the, a, a world on the brink of insanity because that's the whole thing is dread lives in a post-apocalyptic nightmare the reason why judges have to be so brutal is because if they're not the world ends 
Because if you just let people commit crimes and be selfish, the world will end. Everyone will die. And so the judges exist to keep that balance so that the humanity can survive. Sorry, I went on my dread dread transient. <laughs> Rejudge dread. Dreadcast. You got the little soapbox. <laughs> no, I mean Sotiris asked him judge dread questions, so that's fair. Um, but no, to answer your question, you you will never. Well, actually, it's crazy because dread is not a family man, but dread has family. He's got a niece. He's got clone brothers. He had to kill his own brother once. Clone he, brothers. Oh, see, see dread <laughs> dread is a clone, and he had a clone brother, and his clone brother went bad. And so Dredd had to kill him. Metal Gear. Yeah, basically, yes. It, but but in the early in the early eighties. Oh, pre Metal Gear. Metal very Gear's very 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 pre Metal Gear. Metal Gear is a ripoff. And in the present, he has further clones that essentially act as like his siblings. Uh, one, oh. one one is a judge like him, but one rejected the judge life and became a civilian, which was a big like scandal. Civilian Dredd. Oh yeah, with, he... the, with the chin and everything. <laughs> yep, yep. Unbelievable. That is weird, though. That's like, what if Bruce Wayne was just a guy, just but a his, rich guy? His clone brother had a daughter, and that's his niece. Does Dread pull take his helmet off in the in the Dread never car, in the comic? Well, he does take his helmet off, but we never see his face. That's one but, of the. That... But you, do you see his civilian brother's face then? No, yeah. that's a clone. Uh, he got a face change for sa- oh. for security reasons. Okay, I was gonna say. <laughs> face change technology is very common in the future of Mega City One. I was going to say though that that would be the most ripoff way to show Judge Dredd's face is right. oh his clone twin brother decided not to be a cop and so he takes his helmet off and there it is. It's like God damn it. Yep. <laughs> what a cheat. Um, no, that's actually all fascinating, dude. I I I, I regret um anything. Listen, anything that I I'm to the point now where anything that I haven't read it's purely money. If I had money, I would get like balls deep in that Judge Dredd shit. It sounds There's a great. lot of it. One of the best parts about getting balls into it is deep. When I got into Savage Dragon, I had over almost ten years worth of stuff to get into. When I got into Judge Dredd, it was nearly thirty. I I love put sinking my teeth into thick franchises with long histories. It's why I love Dredd. It's why I love Dragon. It's why I love the Legion of Superheroes. Um, this is not related to any of that, so I apologize, but. Uh, I have a day job, and I now have a regular customer that talks like Todd McFarlane. And oh, no. It, yeah, it is awful, dude. It is so hard to, like, <laughs> when he Not comes. mimic him. Yeah, dude, when he comes in and he's talking. And, hey, I mean, it Marty. is, like, it's it's blow for blow. He sounds just like him, dude. How you doing today? It's just beautiful. Oh, I can't believe this weather we're having. I'm like, oh, my God. You fucking talk about your toys. How can you not hear yourself? It's nuts. Dude. Yeah, it's nuts. I'm just like, what in the fuck? Like, what? And Todd's Canadian, and this guy's not. He's from fucking America, but sounds just straight up like Todd McFarlane. Like, goddamn, it's wild, dude. All right, that's the whole story. <laughs> is that I, I've now, right. I now regularly interact with a guy that sounds like Todd McFarlane, and it blows my fucking mind. And he's a dickhead, so I can never be his friend and tell him about it. <laughs> so, like... I have to interact regularly with, like, a dickhead version of Todd McFarlane. It's nuts. All right. That's it. Story over. Maybe Todd McFarlane's a dickhead version of him. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. 
Moving <laughs> on to the new interesting conversation topic. All right. So wait a minute. Last, I'm sorry. Uh, Thank you, everybody. Tony Satiris, you know, Jero. Thank you. Those were fucking awesome letters. Okay, now go. <laughs> so uh, last uh, FinCast, we talked about Spawn. We're going to switch gears on this FinCast and talk about uh, Invincible. Uh, as we all pretty much know, or anyone that reads comics these days know, uh, Invincible uh, has a new show. Robert Kirkman's Invincible has a new um, animated show on Amazon Prime, uh, which is kind of the talk of the town uh, in this recent couple of weeks. Um, in light of that um, and the success of that that's having, um, if you were going to do something with Savage Dragon, you know, you're Eric Larson and you got a, a, a major studio or a streaming uh, platform that wants to take the Savage Dragon property um, and make a film or a show, um, how would you go about it if you were given reins? So you're given reins to do an animated show. Uh, what kind of format, uh, you know, movie, a weekly series, what kind of art style, is it mature, all ages, even if you want to go into what kind of story you would use. Um, you fellas have anything you want to add to this? Pretty well. The main thing, you want to be just broad strokes about it, is like what is your approach? You're given the budget to do what you want, so budget's not a limit. You just basically like, okay, a Savage Dragon animated, something's going to be made, but what are you choosing to do with it? And like Craig said, get into that nitty-gritty. If it's a TV show, tell us, is it grim? Tell us, is it lighthearted in all ages? Like, what's up? Just, you're calling the shots. And write into us at savagefincast at gmail.com. We're going to go through our responses right now. And then we want you guys to write in and let us let us know how you tackle it. So uh, why don't you take it away? Uh, Jim, I know you said you had something up your sleeve. Well, um, my idea is kind of like a cheat. I want to see a Savage Dragon anime. Ooh. I want to see a Japanese company license Dragon and then adapt it in like a big like Ghost in the Shell style like action series. That would rule. We Safari. get a little glimpse of that in the old the old series. Remember, like the the opening credits. Well, to clarify, do you mean um, a TV series like typically they do like what twenty six to fifty episodes for a season? Yeah, like a okay. In a lot of shows, they only they only go for twenty six episodes and then it's over. It's not like a in the U.S. where they just keep making more. Right. Uh, a lot only last one season. Uh, generally. There might be a season two, but generally you don't go many more than unless it, unless it's adapting an ongoing comics uh, manga series, which to be fair, I guess Dragon sort of qualifies as uh, that goes on forever. But I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a Witchblade anime series way back in the early two thousands of all things. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it wasn't very good, but uh, it had a milfy Witchblade. That's pretty good. Yeah, uh, but I've always thought that if you wanted to see Dragon animated. Have Japan do it. I think it would be wild. So, to get like, into have, the... Have, like, Studio Bones do it. Studio Bones is one of the better, like, animation studios right now. Nice. Yeah, very nice pick. Or, or Madhouse. 
Oh, very nice. Pick. Although Madhouse isn't quite as good as they used to be. They used to be like the gold standard, but they've they've fallen a bit. But they're still pretty good. Um, question: You didn't touch on it on your series. Is it going to be mature or is it going to be? Oh, like... yeah. That's the other part. Blood and guts all day long. Okay. Decapitations, you know, fists through chests, you know, all this classic dragon stuff. Sexual situations. Eh, not With that. anime, you could. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jim, are you starting at the beginning? Or are you going to do, like, a snapshot? Are you taking it to the Malcolm era? Like, what's, what's your time frame? Well, see, here's the thing. I think the other, the other reason I want to go anime is that you can also kind of reimagine. You can use that as a way to, like, reimagine Dragon in, almost entirely. Not radically so but enough that you don't necessarily have to start at any one point it kind of can be its own thing that is similar but its own thing i i would say it'd probably end up featuring dragon like dragon dragon not malcolm um and probably have some of the bones of the the basic premise of like he's a cop and he's in chicago or he's in a city and he's got you know, his, uh, his entourage, and maybe you do stuff with Freak Force and the other. And, and, of course, he fights the Vicious Circle. But you don't necessarily have to adapt it. You can kind of go your own direction and still get to, get to like, the main, like, the main, like, visual, like, um, the yeah, feel. the feel for it. Instead of straight adapting it, just go for the tone. Yeah, like Witchblade. Like Witchblade... Uh, was a great example because they, they nobody would say that that wasn't Witchblade esque, but also too nobody would say that that wasn't its own thing. <laughs> Very cool. Do you want me to go next, Craig? Yes, go. Or go do for you it. need some time? Um, I don't need time, but you go for it. Mine's easy. Um, I am not doing an animated series. Uh, my approach would be to do a uh, anthology movie. Uh, Enter the Matrix style, where you basically have shorts like vignettes, five, ten minutes, nothing long, right? And each different vignette could be as radically different in style and tone, again, as like Enter the Matrix was. So, because it's a feature film, we have budget here, right? So... We're going to hand this off to different animation type branches from the world. You're going to have your anime style short. You're going to have, uh, you know, your short like CG comedy, lighthearted, like just a funny short. You know, you're going to showcase the brutal, like bloody blood and guts, dark nature of Dragon. But mainly the reason why I chose the anthology format is A, I'm like going to blow my wad on just a movie. Like, I'm just going to pump it all into, like, a one-hour production instead of trying to stretch it out and tell, like, a story, a narrative. And also, I think with an anthology, you could sort of focus on, like, a series like Savage Dragon's been going on so long that tonally it's varied in a way that a more concise work isn't. So, like, with Scott Pilgrim or Bone or, you know, just these stories that are, like, more compact you know, there's, they have a generally a, like a singular tone, but with Savage Dragon, it's all over the map because it's been going on so long. You have the family era, the sex era, you have, you know, uh, grim and gritty nineties stuff. Like you have Jack Kirby style, Savage World stuff. It's so all over the place. So 
my idea, my vision is to, in a single film with all these different flavors of vignettes, give like a person watching the film just a taste of like just how varied Savage Dragon, the overall series, can feel. You know what I mean? So that would be my only requirement is that the vignettes just be different from each other. That's it. So you know, you know it would be awesome mm. that take that right, and then you know you have the different vignettes. But one would be all right. Straight first one would just be the straight on Savage Dragon. Right. You know his character is the focus. Next one you make it Alex the focus and what it's like to be a human cop fighting you know crazy superpower freaks. Sure. Another one you could make it like Angel or something being the daughter of you know Savage Dragon. One could be vicious circle uh member and how he's trying to survive and be in the vicious circle absolutely and worry about getting fried by overlord or something but yeah there's so many different ways you could take that but that would be really fun yeah that'd be cool that's exactly what i was thinking and i was thinking that if if nothing else too that would give you a way to showcase like sort of the generational thing like when it starts it could just be the dragon and then, like, you know, maybe you can, like, see Malcolm as a kid at some point in, like, the middle of the vignettes. And then just end with a vignette where, like, Malcolm is the lead, however you do it. And basically just sort of showcase that, like, Savage Dragon is a series where time progresses. You know, he has a kid. Yeah. The kid is born. You know, kid's born. I mean, has no kid. Has a kid. Kid grows up. You know, kid becomes the lead. So, like, again, the idea would be to sort of get that feeling that you get reading Savage Dragon for a long time and just cram it into a movie, baby. And that's my idea. So, my idea is kind of bland. I, In a perfect world, I would love yours, Raven. I don't know if it would work well with new audiences. Like, someone that's a Savage Dragon reader for me, I, that would be, I would, that would be my preferred thing. If I was to take it, and I'd want it to appeal to kind of a mass audience. I think that what they did with Invincible is the way to go. Um, I agree with Jim that I would love like a Japanese studio. It just seems like they do the blood and guts and action the best, you know, better than, you know, say like a Bruce Tim style or something like that. Um, but yeah, a, a weekly or something where they just dumped, you know, a season all at once. Um, just a violent, you know, just taking those first, that first year of Savage Dragon in a way, you know, like guy gets dumped down, loses his girlfriend in a violent way, you know, goes on a bender, um, all that stuff in the first few years of Savage Dragon crammed into the series, I think would be interesting. Just hyper violent, um, could be sexual, which would be cool. Um, just gritty. Um, but yet Savage Dragon's also kind of a jokester and, a wise ass, you know, like he typically is. So, yeah, nothing that special. No, no, no. That's I think... that's perfectly valid. Nobody should feel like their approach is not valid because it's just your opinion. Like, it's what you want. So, if that's what you want, that would be great. Let me ask you, the new Invincible series, the art direction, you can say, is definitely Corey Walker like inspired for sure. Right. In your vision, would you want the uh, animation to try to emulate Eric's art? Um, I don't think it has to. I I think I agree with Jim. Like I think something from like a you know an animation studio in Japan like 
something like that. Like someone that can just do hyper violence and make it look good and still I mean, Dragon's gotta look on model, you know, he's gotta be like heavy up top, skinny legs. Like it can't be too off, you know what I mean? Like it's definitely gotta be like within all the models, but not. Like I think perfect is like like I said, the opening to like the Savage Dragon cartoon from the nineties. You know, something a little better than that, but it's on model. You know, it's definitely not Eric's art, but uh, close enough, I feel like. Okay, that's fair. So, like, just like a more high-budget version of, like, the uh, original animated series. Uh, Just the opening of the animated series. Like, that first, like, whatever, minute, which is really a lot higher quality than the rest of the show, if listeners... I've seen it. They know what I'm talking about. No, dude, that's totally fair. Uh, I think a streaming series, if you want to talk about like what would probably be better, like best for dragon, like you're absolutely right. Like an all at once streaming series just dumped like, goddamn, that would be like huge, you know, for getting fans to savage dragon. I mean, yeah, definitely. Fantastic, man. All different ideas and all fun and like I can't wait to hear what the listeners come up with because I'm sure there's some shit we haven't even thought of. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So uh, shall we get into it? We're about an hour and fifteen into the episode and we need to we need to feast. Remember when we didn't have letters? That was like, <laughs> and then we asked for them and like now we get them and it's great. I love it. I'm just saying it's cool. But yeah, dude, I think we need some meat and potatoes. Meat and potatoes. <laughs> so, as I said at the time, this is probably my favorite Savage Dragon cover. Yeah, man. What a fucking awesome cover. Can I ask you guys a question? Not, not to spoil anything, but was that KFC bucket logo always on the cover? I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just didn't realize what it was, right? foreshadowing right and does that license plate said hind dog <laughs> now this is a great what is that <laughs> right hind dog right <laughs> now this is a great cover is it not yeah it reminds me of the professional yeah i get that not i don't know if it's because what she's wearing not urban cowboy yeah, I guess. I, I mean, for me, professional, just because. Oh, it looks professional. No, Leon the no, professional. The, Leon, Leon the professional. The professional. Okay. Yep. I don't no, know. I get mainly that. because what I don't. Amy is I don't know I Leon the professional. Ah, you don't know. Good Je- you don't know Jean Reno's classic masterpiece. Oh, is that what all the references to Jean Reno is? Is Leon the <laughs> professional? Yeah. See, I know. Called... I know. I know. I know the director. That's the original Hitman and Little Girl trope. That's where it originated. Oh. I thought it was Matilda. <laughs> Are you funning? Yeah. Are you funning L- us? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or am I thinking of, um, or, or am I thinking of Amelie? <laughs> Amelie? No. You, no. It's the original Hitman The movie. girl on The Professional is Matilda. Oh. Really? Really? What is Jim talking I don't about, know. Raven? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, <laughs> very, I'm very like confused. Listen, this is a great ass cover, uh, and what's even more awesome? Remember the big speculation we had? <laughs> w- what would happen? 
in my opinion, the very best thing happened when Malcolm got hit with Thor's lightning. Oh, you were. Oh, yeah. what, what you're saying is what will happen next issue when we were yeah, talking yeah, about we, last issue? Like, I, yeah, my, yeah. my prediction was it was going to be uh, this was going to be all Walter and Amy, and that we wouldn't get back to this for an entire issue. I yeah, was wrong. I, yeah, baby, picked it right up with the Super Malcolm. Just absorb the shit out of that. <laughs> yeah, I love it, dude. That is that fun. splash is awesome. The blue colors, just the Kirby dots and the frying. I love it, dude. Just fucking energy, just pouring off of him like electricity, just like fucking coming out of his like whole body. Oh, it's so good, dude. Best outcome. If if Malcolm had been overwhelmed by Thor's lightning, I would have been truly disappointed. Right. I think it's fucking great, dude, that he absorbed it and became like super, super Malcolm. And you know, like, um, North Force is just watching on, like, holy shit. You know, uh, it's timely, but I think that this opens the window for Malcolm to fall in battle only to be revived by a lightning strike Godzilla style. You know what I mean? <laughs> You know how Godzilla just like get defeated and then just lightning would strike him and he'd get back up? Right. You think that's what will happen? No, I'm just saying the door is open now. Before we oh, didn't yeah. know. Now we know. If lightning strikes We didn't know he could absorb so much energy like that. <laughs> right. If lightning strikes Malcolm, he can get back up. No, I fucking love it, dude. I love the pose like of him like punching Thor. And he's like, he looks all effortless. He's like the one where he's like, and I got out of the way. You killed your own son. Like, it just sort of looks like he's just sort of like. Ram. Just real easy, you know. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, the Canadian went from thinking that this guy's just some reality TV star to seeing what he does to Thor, a guy that just pretty much leveled the whole team beforehand. Yeah, it was a great sort of like, who's a who's a celebrity hero now, you putz? I love the the splash where, it, like, basically Malcolm's standing in that crater from that, like, lightning explosion. It's awesome, dude. All the trees I just knocked over. Pretty cool. Mickey's fucking blood, like, just, like, Yeah, Nah, against the white snow. Has question for you guys. Has anybody physically manhandled Thor like this previously? I... Well, no, Dragon beat his really ass not. when he got his hands on his hammer. Hammer, yeah. Uh, but otherwise, but then then it kind of like turned on Dragon, so he didn't really get to finish the job. But so, this is like kind of the first time we've seen Thor just get like the shit punched out of him. Yeah, but only because Malcolm could absorb the lightning. Still, though, I'm just saying it's kind of fucking awesome because it's like. Here's a guy like Thor's got this fucking vendetta anyway. He he before he had a stupid vendetta, right? Like he's oh I'm gonna kill your son for blinding me, you know. And now like he has a legit reason to fucking hate Malcolm's guts. But Malcolm is like the fucking anti-Thor. Like he can fucking like Thor can't do shit physically against Malcolm. He can't use his lightning powers. So you got to think Thor's gonna have this vendetta. Like what I'm saying is. Are we going to see a tactical Thor attack down the road, which is totally not his style? Yeah, I can't see him being tactical. If anything, he'll employ some uh, assistance. That sounds real likely. 
I'm just saying it's kind of like, man, it's, it puts Thor, this is what's cool. It puts Thor in a weird place that I don't think he's been in all these years. You know what I mean? Right. Like physically, he can't really match Malcolm. You know what I mean? Right. And that a little, like what's cool is, uh, you know, you mentioned the bell getting cut off. I like it just laying there, like, you know, cut in half. Oh, and the previous, the previous, uh, issue when we talked on the last fincast we were talking about how thor has that that t-belt yep. right that gives him like a pop right isn't that how yeah, it doubles his strength doubles his strength yes and he has the glove the glove the gauntlet lets him hold the hammer right and the belt gives him strength is that the, is that what it yeah, is correct and was it the knight that sliced his belt off yeah and it was kind of like not really super noticeable yeah, it was. It wasn't so pronounced than last time, but like there, you see it like at his feet. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that comes into play too. And I think if you're kind of a not paying much attention, that's a detail that's lost because no one kind of said it in the dialogue or anything like that or pointed it. No, out. Uh, uh, Malcolm specifically tells. Uh, Does he? I'm an idiot. Yeah, last man. issue. Malcolm specifically tells. All right, I forgot. Uh, the, uh, Canadian to go for the belt to go for the that that he's that he's not all powerful the his power comes from his belt and his gloves to so go for the belt that's that's yeah, he, why the right, that's I'm why the knight went for the belt yeah he has a good line gotcha. where he's like do your homework <laughs> I guess I should do my homework <laughs> do your homework Craig yeah Ma- Malcolm is the one who comes Damn into this it. fight thinking tactically yeah it is funny North Force was just trying to overpower Thor it's like yeah right. To be fair, they've never fought him before, right? So, but they uh, should do their. Homework. They don't know. Yeah, they're not very good superheroes if they're not like taking Malcolm's advice. I mean, read uh, read Malcolm's comic book to find out. <laughs> yeah, Malcolm just turns <laughs> and goes, "You guys don't read my comic, <sighs> idiots." Find out all the secrets to all my arch enemies. <laughs> I love the um, coloring. I, I gotta say, this splash page um, with uh, Malcolm in the middle of the crater, the coloring is fantastic. Like just the like debris everywhere, kind of how it looks, and like just the texture in the snow. Ah, oh, it's so good, dude. Can I ask you something? So, for the listeners, we have a digital copy. I don't know if this is gonna see print, uh, but in the one panel, the panel where we're, you know, flashing to the apartment mm-hmm. says we don't need police protection. Raisin brain brand raisin brand oh, raisin brand. Like, did he spell raisin? Yeah, it looks wrong? like he spelled raisin wrong. I bet it's fixed by the time it gets to print. Usually that stuff's caught. Yeah. It did mess with my mind, though, because when I read that, I read raisin brain. <laughs> That's what I did, too. I was like, Raisin Brain? That's like the meanest I've ever heard Maxine be. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Raisin Brain. I love the the panel where the kids are just like pushing and and jumping over each other to get back into their rooms or the house because they've been away for a while. Mm -hmm. It's it's cool, though. I, I really like this moment. Like, again, talk about, like, it's not overly, like, heavy-handed storytelling, but, like, uh, you know, Maxine's just being Maxine. 
and you know, like Malcolm's like looking at the kids playing. He's even talking about the kids, right? He's like, we're home safe and sound. The kids can go back to TV shows and video games and stuffed animals. And she's like, are you okay? And he's like, Thor's son died. And he's like, it wasn't pretty. And it's kind of like, you see Malcolm kill a lot of people. Yeah. Like, we we joke he's the accidental murderer, you know? But it's kind of funny because, like, you know, the whole battle, he's like, ah, hey, you killed your son. And he kind of seemed flippant there in the moment. But it's like, it's kind of cool, like, little storytelling. Like, he's looking at his own kids, and he's thinking about, like, you know, fucking Miki's dead. It's, it's, I don't know, it's kind of neat. There's a little extra side I, of Malcolm there. I kind of read it. So, like, Malcolm punches Thor, and he says, I, uh, basically, okay, so Thor comes at Malcolm, and Malcolm says, you tossed your hammer at me, and I got out of the way. You killed your own damn son. It was your own damn fault. So it's like, I kind of read that as Malcolm is, like, like trying to justify it. Oh, definitely that. Yeah. Like he, like he's actually blaming himself, but he's trying to push it onto Thor. It's it's definitely that. Or at least I agree with you. That's how I read it. Where like that whole like all of his dialogue. Yeah, that's absolutely how it felt to me too. Cuz he's like, you know, the whole time he's talking to him, he's like Thor's like you killed my son. And he's like not even close. You know, you did. You threw the hammer, but like he's really like blaming him. And then they get to the apartment, yeah. and he's, like, kind of sullen, you know? Yeah. Because I think deep down he knows what he did. <laughs> PTSD Malcolm. Well, even after, like, even after Thor's kind of knocked out on the ground, he's still saying, it was your own damn fault. Like, he's still kind of, like, you know, still scarred about it. Yeah, I think it's cool because, you, you know, Old Man Dragon... You know, you'd have those moments where he's like sitting in the chair and he's all in shadows and he's like, I'm losing it, Frank. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean, right? And, and like, yeah, like Dragon yeah. kind of would like, he would feel the... All teary-eyed, shaky-eyed or whatever. Right. Well, he would like feel the weight of his adventures. And it's kind of cool, this little like moment here, because you kind of like, Malcolm seems like he's kind of like feeling the weight of like what just happened. You know what I mean? Right. I like it. I like it a lot. And then we get into the good old Walter. We get into the wah, 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 wah. here comes Walter sleeping in the bed, resting his head. <laughs> Stinky ass tiger in her bed. Tiger stank. And then we uh, quickly shoot over to Alex and Paul, which is hilarious. We're trying to watch Paul read a comic one handed. Oh, that's oh yeah, that's got to be a massive pain in the ass. Can <laughs> <Right. laughs> okay, I? I just have to be truthful here. I don't like catching up on past events through the comic. I just don't like it. No, I love it. I love it. Dude. I don't. I I know you do. I don't like it. I. It's kind of funny because you're throwing a bone here, though. Alex tells him he's like, dude, it's not everything's in that comic, you know. It's just so weird. It, but it, remember, it's Malcolm. It's a little much for it's me. It's Malcolm's suggestion. Like you know, Malcolm's the one telling him. Yeah. He's like, eh, use these. It's funny. Malcolm it fits his character. It just won't go the, away there, though. The, there's this. Up. There is this one slight inconsistency with the comics. Way back when the idea was first presented, it, you kind of got the idea that the Savage Dragon comic was like supposed to be like this corporate, overly like edited, kind of shitty comic. Not actually good, but every time we see it, it's drawn by Eric Larson. So you got to assume it's still good. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, not really. I mean, he he even implied that, like, you know, remember the creative team? Even here, he's like, yeah, the guy who draws it, you know, he didn't know how your boobs looked. I just think that the meta humor is <laughs> funny, dude. I just, you didn't find it funny when Paul's like, you know, eh, he made a couple ge- educated guesses, and that's funny. Oh, I didn't say that. I just... I think um, it would just be I, not I, I just, to the whole concept. I just think it would be funnier if, like, every time we actually saw co- issues of the comic, the art just looks awful <laughs> and like way off, like way off the mark from what Eric draws, like, <laughs> or completely different than what actually right. happened. <laughs> I don't know. That issue two twenty eight is probably one of the most explicit issues of Savage Dragon as well. Can you <laughs> remind me what happened? Like, because I remember that, and I was I was reading that, and I was like, wait a minute, I'll say. Uh, Maxine gets like blasted, <laughs> okay. and just you know, whatever. I don't know if I want to go into it. It's just stuff everywhere. The walls are painted. Let's put it. It that was an epic action scene. I think it's funny because like. <laughs> This is a continued, like, meta-humor, like, riff on the Savage Dragon is porn now. Like, it's just Eric having fun with that, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, he's showing Paul I, and Alex both being disgusted by the comic. That's funny, dude. I, I love Paul's face Boy. on the one where it's like, they didn't leave much to the imagination Boing. there. Yeah. <laughs> Holy. I gotta move my big comic right here. <laughs> oh it's funny dude i like this sequence i know the comic like bugs you guys but i fucking love it i think <laughs> it's so funny it doesn't bug me it's just i i think there's uh there's a disconnect to what's described to us and then when eric just uses like in this particular case he just grabs the cover off 228 and just mm-hmm. just imposes it into the art <laughs> Would you really rather he redrew the pages and stuff? Well, I mean, you don't have to draw like all of it. I mean, I just think it would be funnier if the if the art just looked wrong. Like if it all looked like Liefeld was drawing it, or like <laughs> something like that. I think it's probably too much trouble. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is way easier. Yeah, that's a pain <laughs> in the ass. I mean, like redrawing like tiny pages is a huge pain in the ass. I um I just it just reoccurs too much for me. <laughs> anyway. Oh, so it's your blood. Let's <laughs> Yes. Yes, probably. Not as <laughs> not as passionate. My quote blood, quote unquote blood. It's your blood is a funny way to put that. It's my freak comes out. back the... way way too often. For the listeners, Jim hates the use of super blood. If you're a new listener, Jim hates the use of Super Bowl. <laughs> You'll hear about it soon. Don't worry. You will hear about it. I assure you. Um, speaking of good faces, <laughs> look how goddamn happy Walter is to be sleeping. Um, he yeah. likes the bed. So funny, dude. I do have to. I love how Amy just tosses. Amy's it. bed must be huge though, which is odd <laughs> for like a toddler. No. I think he's just all curled up, like, too big for it, yeah. probably. Yeah, he's curled up. You've seen cats. My God. They can, like, they're liquids. They can squish into whatever. I mean, he's obviously much bigger than that bed when she flings it. Yeah. I just think he's just a big cat on a little bed, dude. Big cat on a little bed. <laughs> yeah. Good callback. Um, yeah, their dialogue is great. 
uh, Amy and Walter's like back and forth is fucking great. Um, what about uh, Walter's shirt? Does anyone know what that is? Oh, it's a cheetah. Uh, Richmond Tigers or something. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Also, I think it's like a, a sports, like a high school thing or something. It definitely I, is a sports. I also like, if you'll notice, Walter is wearing Malcolm's clothes. And like, you know, they said like uh, Malcolm's clothes are, you know, huge. And if you look, the jacket is drawn baggy on Walter is what's funny. Yeah. It's a nice touch. I'm just saying it's a nice little touch. Walter's goddamn irresponsible, though. He's trying to uh, lure Amy out into adventures. Yeah, it's honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. It's This whole setup is quite sinister to me. Yeah, it's, yeah very. It seems like he's baiting her out. Right. That's a funny thing. Like, that's exactly where my headspace was. I was like, oh, man, I hope Walter doesn't turn out to be evil. Because this is kind of seems more like sinister than what you'd think, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't tell your parents. Adventure awaits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't ask your parents. They'll just say no. Let's go have fun. It like, seems like like the whole thing. Like my first suspicion got raised when she tells him that he's covered in fur and he has a coat, and then he puts his hand up against the window and says, "Huh? Would you look at that? That is so weird." It's like like he knew goddamn well. That he was, uh, you know, of course, it's also just because he has fur and is wearing clothing doesn't mean that he can live outside in the cold. That's just irresponsible pet ownership. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're cold, they're cold. Yeah. Bring them inside. <laughs> Plus, last time I checked, uh, tigers live in pretty warm climates. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. So I agree with you. What about you, Craig? Like, where was your headspace? Like, as you were reading Walter, you're like, you know, trying to lure Amy out into the cold at night. What, were you thinking this is all on the up and up or? I didn't, I don't, I never thought that he was a villain or like was going to do something bad. I thought, you know, I'm just thinking that they're going to get in trouble. I, I, I kept thinking there. he was going to just reach over and decapitate her. Yeah. I, drink, I swear. drink her blood. I thought something bad was going to happen or I thought he was luring her. I can see that, but I didn't feel, I thought he was luring her to more animal men or something fucked up. Yeah. The terror part or like, now I've got you where I want you, you know, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Cause there's the whole issue. I mean, we're kind of jumping ahead with this, but the whole issue, there's this talk of being hungry, right? Right. Exactly. He's hungry tiger. Oh, I'm not hungry. Hmm. Funny that you're hungry. I'm not hungry at all. And I was waiting for him to just turn the page and be like, No, I'm starving. You know? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> like fucking, yeah, dude. It was scary. I, I'm not going to lie. Because Walter looks creepy, man. And sometimes he's cute and sometimes he looks creepy. Which is cool why they, you know, when they had that scene where they're kind of, once they get out of the house and they're running and he like tackles her. <laughs> and then like the, the, you know, pedestrian sees him. Right. It's not what it looks like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, before we get past it, uh, Malcolm and Maxine have awesome chemistry. I love their chemistry as a couple. And I'm going to highlight the subtle perversion, uh, perverse, perversion, yeah, there we go, behind Soldering Iron and Taco Bell as pet names. 
my hat's off. Wait, what's the joke about soldering iron? Taco, uh, Taco Bell is a pun because it's spelled B E L L E. Right. Well, you know, a long hot poker, a long mm. hot rod. I guess that's and, true. And a taco. Oh right. Oh okay. Yeah. Make, got make, it. Making, making sense. You good? <laughs> what's up with Malcolm's shirt? What's what is that? Objectivity. Objectivity. Mm. Is it right? Is he is he a fan of Ayn Rand? What? Yeah, what's what's going on? What's 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 happening there? It's clearly a font. It's clearly. I mean, Maxine's got a logo on her shirt too. That's a podcast, right, Craig? Yeah, that's it. Like, I it's on the cover that. of the it's issue. The same too. logo that's on the cover, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's recurred. Like, I think it's like been another issue, or it's similar to that. Yeah, it has some podcast that he likes. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but uh, it's too underground. You don't know it. Walter's expressions. We'll, are... we'll ask a uh, Savage Dragon editor, Gavin Higginbotham. <laughs> He'll know. Uh, Walter's expressions though are fantastic. Like him playing on the cars and like you know, like smiling and stuff. So good. And then when he's losing, uh, he's lo- yeah. Amy jumps in front of him and he's losing momentum. I mean, he uh, lo- is losing his footing because he's got too much momentum. Like the expression on his face, right. and then even the expression when he's caught. Like I'm just saying, it's really hard to make animal faces expressive. But Walter's very expressive. It's good stuff, dude. Gotta admit, uh, I like Walter's fear of the police. Yeah, the fuzz. It makes nothing but sense. <laughs> Again, uh, Amy's got a great expression, too, in that panel. You know, the cops will come after us, like her face. <laughs> yeah. So <just> scared. <laughs> and I love the way the snow. Just hops right on that bus. See, then the, I can't let them catch us the way Eric's drawn like the snow like coming down like the like the down perspective yeah. it's so good and I guess I like the guy the, the guy in the background where he's like quick he's got the like fur hat that's, At first I thought it was that a is it looks like he's got a that is John Day <laughs> yep yeah he's got a weird get up Uh, and so they uh, hitch a ride on top of a bus to get out of there. And again, this is where I'm talking about. Like, I felt like this whole issue that like Eric was just sort of playing with like ominous things. Right. Because he's like, yeah, we can catch a ride on this bus. It'll take us south to a warmer climate. And I'm just thinking to myself, hmm. God damn, dude, Walter doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> like he's being irresponsible as a motherfucker. Just basically kidnapping Amy at this point. Right. He's like two years old, so what's what you gonna do? Well, that's the payoff at the end of the issue, right? I mean, I think you can assume that. I didn't. So that's what's so funny is like to jump ahead. Like that's the payoff is that you just realize that like Walter's mentally not mature, even though he's like full grown, right. he's not mentally mature. But I think that was kind of like the play is like you really don't know, you know? Right. For me, that's how it worked. The whole time I was reading it, I felt like there was a sinister, like, vibe to Walter and his dialogue. And then, yeah, we just don't know enough, so everything's all options are on the table there. Right, and then you get to the end of the issue, and it's like, oh, well, he was just a dumbass. <laughs> and then it's it's just funny because, again, I hate to, like, we're kind of jumping out of, like, order here, but, like, so we read this twice before this fincast, right? And the whole time I read it the first time, I read it the way Jim said, where it's like I just felt this overwhelming sense of like, oh, no, dude, like, where is this going? 
like what the fuck's gonna happen like oh no what's gonna happen oh there's gonna be like murder or something like that and then when I read it the second time knowing that Walter's just a peon like just a two year old basically right it read completely different like having the benefit of hindsight like reading Walter's dialogue he's like literally just like playful and stupid Right. It's fun, dude. I really like it. Like, I was really impressed by how this issue worked, you know? Uh, Yeah, and so they get into a tussle on top of the bus and fall off. Well, I didn't get that at first. Yeah. Like, they jump on the bus, right? And then that the page where they're just kind of making snow, snow angels, angels right. I thought they were already off the bus. Right. It does make... And I went through it. <laughs> that panel does make the the what they're laying on seem bigger than a bus. Which I guess kind of messes up the like the, the, I, uh, the like the choreography information. I think it's pretty ingenious, though. I think it's almost done on purpose. Like I, I think that you know, in my head, I'm like, all right, we're skipped to the next scene. They're off the bus, and so I think it's kind of just playing with you to think that they're off the bus until that last panel where you realize, oh crap, they were on a bus the whole time. Well, it's, 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 I'm not sure if it was intentional, but that's the way it felt like. Again, I'll say, I think it's kind of smart too, because the first time I read it, I totally agree with you. Like when they were making snow angels, I did not think they were on the bus. But then the second panel, Walter says, oh, life on the open road. And I'm like, oh shit, they're on the bus. He even like is referencing them. Oh, there. Yeah. Yeah. He's right. even, but no, I totally am agreeing with you that. I think it's whether it's intentional or not, it is kind of how it worked on me. It's kind of like when I first read it, I didn't think they were on a bus. I thought they were in a field, right? Yeah, like they just skipped to the next scene. Right. They're like off the bus already. But then you realize that they are irresponsible enough to just be roughhousing on top of a moving vehicle, you know? <laughs> well, I think also like Amy already knows she's super strong and like what holds up for a regular human, she understands won't hurt her. So. Even though it's, we say it's irresponsible to them, it's not as irresponsible because they know they won't get hurt if they fall off a bus or, you know. Right. They're just being irresponsible in the fact that they're traveling so far away from home. <laughs> right. I love uh, where, you know, they're just biting each other. <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah. Walter looks like a, a tiger, really, when he's biting her, you know, like a real tiger. You know what right. I mean? Like, pretty badass looking. And then she actually bites him back and hurts right. him. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's sort of, like, play biting, and, like, she fucking, like, gets the real bite. I think the, uh, I love the panel. Like, there's just, again, like, kind of really fun, like, stuff. For for a issue that is a lot of talking heads, it could be really, like, boring and lame compositionally. But then you've got stuff like the, it's kind of like a reverse establishing shot of them falling. Like, yeah, that is exactly how it is. Like when you flip the page and they're like, it seems like, are they on the bus or are they in a field? There's no establishing shot to let you know where they are. And then when the page ends, then you have your establishing shot. But then what's like kind of nice is that the next page starts with an establishing shot. We just love that shot of them like walking you know, through the snowy field, like just trees everywhere. And it's got that same six I, panel, like the same, like conversational, like six panel borders as like the previous page. I, I think Larson's a genius in the fact that like he can 
open up this issue with, you know, four pages or five pages of Malcolm and Thor and give us that little bit of taste of fisticuffs, you know, that we've come to expect in Savage Dragon. Just enough so you can say there was a fight, there was some action in it, and then just turn the whole rest of it to like, you know, a buddy kind of <laughs> flick where there, there's not, it's not a superhero comic in a way. And what's funny is, um, again, like, just to bring it up, like, talking about like the whether it was intentional or not and i think it was dude i'm sorry but like to way a way to like rid it it's written so that like at least to me this is how it worked on me and it sounds like it worked on jim that way too Mm -hmm. where it's like this really seemed sinister and foreboding but then in reality all it is is it's just a buddy like you said like a little buddy comic like they're just having fun yeah, so the scene where they find the uh, indoors pool, <laughs> I didn't notice at first that there was a bucket of KFC visible. <laughs> and so, oh, and really? so when you go to panel two and you, and you see <laughs> Walter think of KFC. It looks like he's looking at He's her. looking at Amy. Exactly. <laughs> right. 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 Jim, me too, dude. That's a, really? That's the thing. With I, the foreboding. No, but Craig, you got to understand the whole time my mind's in foreboding mode, right? Yeah. Like at some point, yeah, maybe they're having fun, but at some point Walter's got to revert to like beast mode. Right. And once he gets hungry. Especially when you get to that, when you get to the last panel on the page where the one where Amy breaks the doorknob and Walter's behind her, it looks like he's ready to pounce on her. Right. But no, I mean, I could see if if I didn't see that first panel of the KFC, I'd be thoroughly confused and a little shocked. Well, but uh, I definitely caught that first, and all I saw was him being like, "Oh shit, KFC!" I just thought it was funny that Eric actually uses the logo. Yeah, dude, it's just straight up. It's like not even like no questions asked. Like there it is. Fair use. Yeah, te- technically, you know. It's not like this issue's advertisement is based on KFC. It's not the Adventures of the Colonel. Which you have, which DC has published. Yeah. Amazingly enough, the Colonel has met Green Lantern. <laughs> Man, I remember when the Colonel was a real person. And yeah, alive. he had a uh, gunfight. <laughs> he had a gunfight duel with another gas station owner over chicken. I don't recall that story. What? And he killed the guy. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> Google what? it. Yes, Google it. It's nuts, dude. So, uh, Jesus what I Christ. did learn though is that the reason why he's called Colonel Sanders is because becoming a t- Kentucky Colonel is a thing you can do. And like really? Dave, Dave Thomas is was also a Kentucky Colonel. It was just, what is that like getting knighted by the yeah, Queen of England? Basically, it's just something the just something <laughs> the state of uh, Kentucky does. <laughs> Damn, I'm going to make that my goal. Yeah, really go visit you have Kentucky. to be born in Kentucky, though? I don't know the rules. <laughs> I, just know that Dave, Dave, I just know that Dave Thomas said that he was also one. Wow. Colonel Craig Olson. Colonel. The sound's got a good ring to it. Wow. Colonel dude. Craig. That's, yeah, that's fucking bananas. Yeah, he was, he, 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 what as I far as I know, do. he was never in the military. He was just, uh, you know, the name he, he chose and the persona he cultivated. He got, Believe me, the... The colonel was absolutely all about that uh, that uh, that um, marketing life. He, <laughs> I got to go get knighted by the governor of Kentucky. I, <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. Uh, I always wondered, Jim, why there was no military representation 
in KFC because usually, you know, people with service are proud of it and like use it and like show it off. And I was like, huh, it's weird that the colonel in every single image is just a fucking old guy. It's weird. <laughs> he just comes rolling into the tank. Yeah, yeah, right. Or like there's some kind of like Patton. <laughs> I guarantee it. And the tank shoots the chicken into your mouth. Thanks, Colonel. <laughs> I'm telling you, it writes itself. Instead, he's just a fucking old guy. As long as I've been young, he's been old. So I... yeah, who knew it was just a fancy uh, Kentucky? So nine. here, okay, I'm reading this. I'm going to read this website verbatim. I don't know how accurate this is, but I find it funny. The Honorable Order of Kentucky Colonels does not appoint or commission <laughs> Kentucky Colonels. That can only be done by the sitting governor of the Commonwealth. Only the governor knows the reason for bestowing the honor of a colonel's commission on any particular individual. What? Uh, so it can be uh, anything. So it can be anything. Indeed. So we're just, this is America. We're just going to be honest. It can be money. For, for money, you can buy your way to colonelship. Or... You could just make really, really good chicken. That's true. You know what, Craig? World traveler. Have you ever had KFC in Japan? I have not, but it's all over the place in Japan, and they sell beer at the KFC in Hong Kong, I want to say. One of those places. They were advertised. Cans of KFC they beer. Have, they have Samurai Colonel. Oh, you know what? I have had KFC in China. Nice. I've had a rice porridge with chicken. In I was going to say, did they like get rid of mashed potatoes and biscuits or what? Obviously, the chicken's got to stay, but like, what about biscuits? KFC is like McDonald's in China, though. KFC is huge. It's like their biggest thing <laughs> of all like the of all the. I'm chains. sorry. I know we're in the weeds here, but like, maybe people like this. Maybe they won't. So, question: True or false? Does America have dumplings like other countries have dumplings? Well, what's a dump? What America has? What's a dumpling in this context? It's a. Well, that's what I'm saying. Just open-ended question to you two: True or false? Does America have dumplings like other countries have dumplings? Well, they have their well, own style of dumplings. There's the kind of dumplings that are biscuits with gravy, chicken and dumplings. There you go. But that's it. I saw a map of dumplings of the world, and I was like, dumplings. Oh yeah, I've seen dumplings of the world. But aren't like dumplings also like uh, meat wrapped in bread? I mean the the bread you can have meat wrap no like like yeah. pork wrap uh, pork dumplings or like what you get from Chinese restaurants. Yeah, yeah, it's like a dough and a soup. But the thing is, is like chicken and dumplings inside. is like chicken beside the dumpling, right? Right. Just saying, it's a weird fact. Yeah, mostly dumplings is like a, a dough with something inside, like a meat inside of it. Usually, <laughs> we've lost our listeners. All right. Um. Anyway. Guys, have you ever watched a movie where the parent of a lost child interrupted the movie to beg for their <laughs> return? Because I would feel a lot more empathy than these two apparently feel. No, but what I always get, which is very similar, is when there's like a breaking news type thing, whether it's like something presidential or something and you're in the middle of a movie which does i don't really watch tv anymore i watch streaming stuff but i remember back in the day you know if you know oh america's you know send fighter pilots are gone to war or something like that and you're watching a movie and it just cuts in or something crazy you know what i mean like a thunderstorm warning or tornado warning or something 
or or they cut over to a presidential address. Oh my god! You guys never had that when you're just like, and it just you lose like half of your show. Well, I mean, it's 2021. Most of us don't watch live TV anymore. But this guy does. He makes it a point to say he finds it exciting about Craig watching live TV. Who is who? Did he just say that sentence to? What do you mean? Read that sentence that you just said. Oh, Heindog. <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is the, the license plate on the car, right? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that till just now, dude. <laughs> it must be someone maybe on that podcast or something. <laughs> Still, there's something exciting about seeing a beloved movie on live TV, Heindog. <laughs> It's just a funny name, if nothing else. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't. I'm. I know that's so stupid, but like, <laughs> I didn't make that connection. I just. I was like, Hind Dog. Is that a pet name? What's going on? <laughs> and then Hind Dog was on the cover. Oh, I'm so sorry, bros. This splash page of Walter jumping into the pool while uh, Amy eats a chicken is fucking great. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad You're I didn't turn the page and pants? like find Amy hung upside down with all her entrails ha- hanging out. <laughs> just him, just gnawing on yes. bone. I'm glad that wasn't what happened. Just mauling. Does this shrimp swim trunk say Fanta? I was I was going to ask that. What does it say? Are those Fanta shorts? <laughs> I don't know. Looks that way. Yeah, there are know. bubbles like a drink would have. Right? Strange. We got KFC and Fanta. <laughs> I like how he was like, you know, he's a tiger, but he fails the need to wear swim trunks. <laughs> he's I become feel, accustomed to fighting his shame. I feel like it was at that moment that I no longer felt that Amy was in danger. Yeah, basically, at this point. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, yeah. and then then you turn the page and then they're in danger. Right, right. But yeah, that's a, that was the terror. Is I was like, oh, Walter's not gonna do anything to Amy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we have notes on this, don't we, gentlemen? So, what did you guys first think when you turned the page here and you got the bear? I thought they were fucked. at first. I did. You guys realize right off the bat it was grizzly? Or did it take I did because I recognize his goggles. I did not. I thought it was another animal At, man. It took me a second. I, I mean, my eyes, once I saw the focus on the goggles, I was like, that's got to be grizzly. But at first, I was like, oh, fuck, they're in trouble. Right. But then I was like, oh. Yeah. I didn't realize it was him until he started talking to him. Well, to be <laughs> fair, he, he is a new character. Right, right. So you're not used to his. Uh... This panel is so weird because it's a direct homage. To, to another artist. Bill Sankiewicz. But it's, like, I recognize it as Grizzly, but he's so distorted. It's like, it's almost as if it's, like, showcasing, like, another facet of his powers. Like, maybe he can, like, bulk out like this. In, like, this really extreme way. So or the mi- thing is, is remember how huge he is in that initial splash page, right? Oh, yeah, he's big. And remember that Amy is a child? I think the illusion going on here yeah. is that he is huge and Walter's not as big as you think. Right. 
I mean, Walt, Walter's probably not taller than Malcolm. Oh, definitely not. Like Malcolm's six four, right? Yeah. Tis tis, Craig. Remember, take jot that down. <laughs> also, you know, his hair might be like all fluffed out because it's like he's in the middle of a snowstorm. Right. You know. Yeah, you can see the snow. I think here's what's cool about this sequential art. We'll put on our uh, cartoonist kayfabe hat here. Walter and Amy are being shocked by a figure emerging from, like, clearly, like, a shit ton of snow. Right. Bro, he's, like, it's like a figure emerging from, like, a blur. Like, you wouldn't initially know what you were looking at, especially a huge figure like him. So, yeah, I love it. I think it's awesome. It kind of, like... Yeah. The snow's so intense that the snow itself is, like, only visible across his, like, darkened midsection. Right, it's like a whiteout. Right. Ah, it's cool. Yeah. Man. This is cool. I just, I love the claws and everything. It's just like, oh shit, he's imposing looking. Dear man. listeners, Google Demon Bear New Mutants, and you will be in for a treat. Uh, Bill Sienkiewicz, uh New Mutants issue 18. Uh, this is quite the homage. So, I've never read that era of New Mutants, but I was familiar with that pa- panel. It is. Very iconic of the era. Same. You know what I found researching for this issue? Demon Bear, iconic enough to have officially had representation in modern DC entertainment. I think you mean Marvel? Marvel? Whatever. New Mutants? God damn it. No. <laughs> yeah, Marvel. Yeah. He was in New Mutants, the TV show. The movie? The movie, whatever. I don't watch it. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> you know what I mean. He was a secondary villain in the new New Mutants that happened recently. That's all. That's all I'm saying. What is there a TV show or is I'm it just sure a movie? It's just the movie, right? The the important. I'm not listening to you, Raven. Obviously, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm asking Jim. The right important here. part. I, I, can't well, I don't trust know. You I right don't watch any of it. The important part is that you're leading me down all these wrong all ways. All I know. All I know is the only recent New Mutants came out was a movie last year. Well, there you go. There was a Legion, right? Well, there is a Legion. It's possible it could be a Legion. Demon Bear was in that. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Um, I think he looks... You're saying a lot of things. I don't know what to trust right now. I think he looks cool as shit in the other panel, too, where he's like, your parents are worried. I think he still looks like yeah. Eric has rendered him cool as fuck in that panel. Yeah. And it looks like uh, they don't use Gully in his helicopter anymore. They've got their own jump jet, Canadian Quinjet yeah. thing. A helicopter <laughs> would not be able to fly safely in snow of that intensity. Listen to this guy. Yeah. You sure about jot, that? Jot you that sure? down, 6'4". <laughs> Just good faces. Good uh, faces this whole issue. I thought it was really fantastic. The payoff... Uh, I think I think it's brilliant the way this issue read. I'd love to hear from listeners if they were bamboozled. Jim, all right, hold on. Were you bamboozled the whole all the way up to the pool scene, just like me? <laughs> yes, basically up until the pool scene, I thought something terrible was going to happen. Correct. And then once you hit the pool scene, you were no longer bamboozled. Bamboozlement had ended. Correct. Everyone's safe. KFC was being eaten. Right. And then the bear is the danger. And then we find out the bear is not the danger. Correct. Uh, the bears. And I think I think that's why I didn't immediately... Well, I did say I immediately recognized him as the grizzly. But I also thought that maybe something weird was going on with him. That maybe he was actually a threat. Mm. Because of how imposing he is. 
Oh yeah, yeah. He looked villainous. <laughs> when what's funny is talking about like Walter looking sinister at points. He looks sinister as shit. <laughs> you kids up to trouble. You kids safe. He's like the snow slayer in Home Alone. The snow shovel slayer. It's a typical trope though. I mean, you've seen that in movies, right? Where you just like bump into someone like huge and you're like, oh shit. And it pans out and it's like, oh, it's this guy. I'm telling you, the, sh- the snow shovel slayer no. in Home Alone, that's his whole arc. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Fucking yeah, right. Kevin's scared of him the whole movie and he's a nice guy. <laughs> Question. Yes. Now that we know that Walter is a peon, is he like adopted by the dragon family? Man, like, I hope so. Me too, dude. I want. I need to know what the hell happened to Greta Gearbox and why she isn't around anymore because... She and Walter need to have, like, a relationship of some kind. Not, like, oh, that, a physical relationship, but they ought to have, like, a just meet each other, there's pal a around. Lot of, yeah, there's a lot of comedy there, Jim. You know, that that's a good point. You know, what's what happened to Greta? I thought she was there to help kind of also protect yeah, the kids. Yeah, she's supposed to be there to, like, A, a clean the house, B, protect the kids, C, like, be one of the few people who can handle uh, Maddie, maybe. And she's just gone. She, I don't think we've seen her in, since... I can't remember the last time we've seen her. You're correct. Although, I feel like this is one of those Savage Dragon things where our mind may be impacted by the delays between the issues. Right. Maybe she's yeah. hanging out with Captain Tootsie. Well, but I do think that you are correct. I will agree that it feels like there should have at least been a nod in dialogue... Like, when, when Amy was gone, like, if Maxine or Malcolm had been like, God damn it, Greta, what's going on with you? Or something like that. Like, just a nod in dialogue. Or, man, Greta's, like, recharging. I wish Greta wasn't... Re- oh, no, what a time Greta was recharging and Amy slipped away. Or just something like that. Would have helped, right? Right. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that, yeah. Where she's... Tootsie's making repairs Yeah, or we have not... According to the Savage Dragon Wiki, we actually haven't seen her since, like, 250. Really? Really. I wonder if she got damaged during the fight. Let me double check that. I don't think it was said. We would have noticed. Hmm. That'd be a shame. I'm going to be honest. I like Greta as a character. Me too. And I really don't want to see her gone. I think there's like a lot of comedy potential. Plus two, there's interesting things that can happen. Yeah, I really don't. I'd hate to see her go. Right. She... She, like, prevented the kids from helping out in the fight, and then right. the kid, then the kids ran her over, and that was. Nope. Then she shows up right at the end of the fight, and nothing seems to be amiss. She just hasn't been around. Yeah, I, th- I think Greta should at least have had, especially with Greta's duty being to watch the kids, and one of the kids fucking escapes. Right. Definitely should have at least maybe been some text to acknowledge that, for sure. Yeah, we need to find out what happened to Greta. We need ASAP. that Greta. We need that Greta subplot. You're giving us you're giving us Paul and Alex reading comics. We could have had Greta dialogue. No, <laughs> no I'm joking. I agree though. I agree that there's a chance for Greta uh to have been more involved, especially in this issue, right? Like send Greta out to look for her, like or Greta like is looking for her too. I don't know. Sure. 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. What? I'm an asshole what? now. I'm just oh, am. It's what I do. And I think we should. Uh, you guys want to talk about this uh, nifty backup and and shed a little light on it? Yeah, it might feel weird, right? Like deja vu for readers, uh, regular readers, like or also too. Like, what's going on? Like, I remember this kind of feels familiar, but all of a sudden, like. Walter's fucking naked. Definitely felt like he had clothes on. Hmm. Strange. Why Why do I have these weird memories? Well. Because <laughs> you're a pervert. Right? <laughs> I like to remember uh, tigers clothed, uh, but when in fact they were nude. No, but this is uh, basically a little bit of uh, rewriting, you know, kind of a retcon to make a sequence flow better, right? So for the trades, what happened is that uh, the way we hit it as readers is that they first introduced Walter in 252. Right, in the in the strip. In the strip. In the funnies, Sunday funnies. Strips. Right. However, uh, you know, he, and he's coming into Amy's room to get clothes. But then you see the story here originally as it ran in 253, you know, the second issue... And he's clothed, and they're talking about birthday cake. And, you know, Walter's like, I love cake. Let's get some cake. And stuff like that. Eric decided that he was going to switch it up. And that it would be a little bit better for him to, you know, flow into the sequences. Like, he's naked. They meet. You know, they learn each other's names, as they do in this backup printed here. So, is he moving this from where it originally was to? So, he's moving it. You're not going to see it twice. No, you're not going to see it. In trade, if you're a trade reader, right? the new version will run in Savage Dragon Family Matters trade paperback between issues 251 and 252. So the way it's going to read is you're going to see the sequence where she goes out in the alley and meets him naked and tells him maybe you should wear clothes. You're, uh, uh, hi, I'm Walter. Hi, you're Amy. And then in the strip, Walter's coming into her room for clothes. Right. So it flows more. See, I thought he was going to show both. I also thought. And although it's the same images, it's just Walter outside the window both nights. The first night and I he gets closed, the second also night thought, is when she invites him to the And I also day. thought part of the reason he's doing this is because he had five extra pages to fill because he had some back matter to put in. The way I understood it, the intent was to change it up so that... He didn't like the flow, the impact. Like, he didn't like them learn just, like, you just meet. Like, the way the strip runs is you just meet Walter, and he's, like, you know. Right. They just know each other's names, and they're just, like, you know, Mm -hmm. they're fighting in her room. He didn't like that flow. And so, this. So, so 253 won't be in continuity anymore. Not the version as it hit issues, no. But that's only trades. It'll be the 258 replaces it. Yeah. The the backup in 258 will run between 251 and 252. Gotcha. Yep. So that, like, you know, this, they meet, he's naked. Then in the strip in 252, he's coming into the room for clothes. And then from there on out, he's wearing clothes. So that's the history, y'all. Not much to say other than it's quite hilarious. Uh, Eric had to draw a bunch of naked Walter bodies to be photoshopped on top of uh, his previously clothed body. Yep. Also, I don't think I ever noticed that there is a uh, duder or a guy in the trash at Walter's feet. 
Oh, actually, there's a. I think there's a really interesting point about the the art, how he did it. I think he drew it on the back of the actual pages that he drew it originally, so that anyone who ever would, you know, buy the original art of that would have both versions. Oh yeah, that's cool. At least I think that's what I think that's what he did. I'm comparing both, and the trash is different in one than the other. It's got the doll and the orange and stuff. It does, it's just like random crap, like just in decipherable objects in the in the two fifty three version. Oh, okay. So the two fifty eight version is definitely a domestic tranquility nod, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah, sure. I think all of two people got that, and you're talking to them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well put. Yeah, that that little doll is not in the original. That's on the ground coming out of the trash. That's that's redrawn. It's got to be a guy and dude doll or guy or dude or one of the two. Guys, I missed funnies. I guess he's trying to show that it's he's picking through the dragon family trash maybe. Yeah. Possibly. Um I missed these funnies, you know. Although yeah, we. I feel like it's been a little bit. Hasn't well, it? there's the Vanguard backups, right? Right, right, right. So I got no problem with Vanguard backups, but I'm just saying I do love just the funnies. I love random, like, like you know, unpredictable like backups. Moonbeard, it's my winner every time. Every time? Yeah, it's good. I yeah. uh, I really like to eat more bikes. Griok. <laughs> Is that? How- Godzilla would never fight Mothra Sorry what? Godzilla wouldn't fight Mothra They're lovers I'm pretty sure they fought I know I'm joking Maybe they're loving (laughs) That's that's possible Didn't love Kevin days a week (laughs) Didn't hate it Just didn't love it (laughs) You just sandwiched between two titans. It did. It did seem like a lot of panels to get to the punchline. I think the, brevity would have served it well. Yeah. That the parents were more choked up over the, you know. Yeah. The thing that the kid, you know, just made me think, man, what a shitty kid. He doesn't give a fuck. Kids usually don't. <laughs> so. I would say I get I, that I, was a very unique. I, I, sorry, Craig, go ahead. No, sorry, I was going to wrap it up. Oh, just one thing of the funnies. I really enjoy how, um, and I think it's Adam Pruitt just changes up the format and the the, the look of the funnies every time mm-hmm. he does them. You know, it, he could easily just make it look the same. You know, in terms of sometimes he does it black and white, the different you know. Faded paper, old paper, new paper look, but he always like he always puts something together to make it visually appealing, which is pretty awesome. So, just my little tip of the hat. Agreed. Yeah, uh, I love. There's some random ghosting effects on these. Yep, it's very good, dude. Yep, love it. Yeah, absolutely worth praise. Um, rate this issue, fellas. How you feeling? Feeling like it was strong? Feeling like uh, we dipped? How you feeling? Because I think we were high last issue, weren't we? 
Didn't we? Didn't we end that one? Yeah, feeling good? I mean, I, I feel like there was in the past year maybe one issue I wasn't that pleased with, uh, which was like the Mako issue. I felt like this whole series has been on fire for a while now, and I um listen, you can't have just all out brawls, or maybe you can, but you know it's just fun to mix it up every once in a while, and I think this issue did a real good job mixing it up, keeping it interesting. Uh, fun characters. It was a joy to read. I, I just I enjoyed it. I, I liked everything about it. It's not your typical issue of Savage Dragon, so it's hard to compare. But for that reason, I think it's also pretty awesome. Plus the cover's banging, like Jim said. Jim, mm-hmm. give me your feedback. How's this issue treating you? I think it was a really interesting issue because, as we saw, it, 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 it led with the conclusion of last issue, so we got that traditional action beat Mm -hmm. and then we get a really interesting if not particularly action oriented like like adventure with amy and walter Mm -hmm. um i i think i was expecting a little bit more i don't know hanging out like the cover promises but i think because it's winter time which is something i didn't consider you know at the time you kind of have to have the more traveling snow adventure. Uh, sure, sure. As opposed to, like, hanging out downtown, getting into trouble. Um, I'm going to say, because the first read had those kind of almost sinister overtones, mm-hmm. I'm going to say that, if that was intentional, bravo. Yeah. If it was accidental... Still pretty good. Uh, if it was not ever supposed to be read that way, oops. Uh, but I'm going to say at 8 out of 10 for snow effects. Very respectable, dude. I think one of the things, too, is that you know, he almost has to put the snow in because, you know, the issue before, right. he was all in snow and, you know, it just made that issue just that scene, that snow this, makes this the issue. This does seem to take place pretty close to the end of the last issue, so no time really has passed. Which is unusual for Dragon. Usually there would be a time skip in between, like, fighting Thor and going home. Right, but the battle continues and then... Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna um, steal a little off-air bit that uh, Mr. Jim Purcell himself said, but chose not to put in the Fincast, so I'm bringing it in. Um, when we were doing our little, and we never talk much off air because we want to like give you sweet listeners the uh, true like off the cuff reaction, first impression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Jim said the shoe never dropped, and I'm glad. Right. So you spend and, the whole issue expecting the other shoe to drop, and then you find out there's no shoe. Yep. And and actually, I'm I'm just gonna echo your sentiment there because it's funny because that's how I read it. Like, the whole issue, I was on pins and needles, like, oh, God, oh, no, oh, no, what's going to happen, oh, no. And, like, it was really suspenseful. And then I realized that it was anti-climax. Like, it wasn't, nothing was going to happen. Like, they just get found and they go home. Right. But I was thankful. I, I like it. It ended, it's funny how it flip-flopped in my mind from, like, here's an issue, I'm just filled with dread, and I'm waiting for that savage dragon twist where, you know, you, you flip the page and Amy's ripped in half, you know, and... Nothing happened. And actually, I love Walter. I love Amy. And I was like, you know what? I'm cool with this. It just ended up being like kind of an angel and glum yep. in their in their earlier, more innocent kind of days. Only, in this case, Walter is absolutely not glum. 
Yeah, he's actually just a naive right. little. And I, yeah. I love that. That's a, that was a, kind of a cool payoff. Because, again, like, I was thinking to myself, when I was thinking it was sinister, I was like, oh, no, dude. Are we doing, like, is this, like, the modern, like, like glum and angel? And then, like, you just kind of, like, I, he played me for a fiddle, like a fiddle. Played me like a fiddle. Played me for a fool like a fiddle. That's what I was trying to say. Because, uh, <laughs> basically, you know, it's not just a retread. It's not just, like, glum and angel again. It's like, no, it's, you might, if you were thinking that, no, no, the issue makes it very clear by the end. It's like, look, if you're thinking Walter is something maybe more sinister, no, dude, he's just a two-year-old. Like, physically mature, right. but mentally not mature. And so, I love it. I loved how that worked out. So, for me, I'm going to rate it maybe a little higher than you guys, because, like, I just think the Sienkiewicz... Like there, it did a lot. Like I thought there was a lot going on and it didn't have to have a lot for the story that it was, but it had like that Sienkiewicz, like awesome splash. It had super powered Malcolm. Uh, I like the meta humor with Paul and Alex. Uh, I'm going to dip it a point because of the, uh, lack of, uh, Greta gearbox. I do think that should have been addressed, but man, just solid. So I'm going to give it like a, uh, nine. Nice. That's a high score, dude. Yeah, it was very satisfying. Well, again, to me, it pulled off a slick trick. Like it read, it read completely yeah. different from the first time I read it to the second. And, and that's the thing with Larson is that you know he's made this universe his own with you know shocking deaths, so that you can he can have that element to it where you don't feel safe. Whereas, you know, something like a Marvel comic, if it's Franklin Richards, you're not, you don't have that real, oh, uh, they're going to kill him or something. You know Very what I mean? Well like, put, like this is, this is something that in the back of your head, that could be a possibility, you know, some, something could happen. Um, and so you're just, you don't know which way he's going to go. Cause he always like does something, you know, unexpected. Very well put. Like it's, it's, uh, this same story. If it's like Damian Wayne, I'm not worried about Damian Wayne at all. Like, he's valuable IP. He's not getting axed. Well, he's one crisis away from being eliminated from history. Him and, <laughs> him and John can't have that ongoing problem with me. Is that they are... When DC gets tired of having the children of Batman and Superman be a thing, they'll just get eliminated from from time. Nightwing. <laughs> They they do that thing where they just age him up in a weird way, and Bruce Wayne's still young, and they're fucking old. I mean, they already aged John up. <laughs> it is weird. It's very weird, dude. It's the thing I hate. Like, I hate that. It's like, fucking Batman is still young, and, like, fucking one of his Robins is, like, old enough to be having sex and shit. Right. It's weird. I don't like it. It's, it's so, yeah. It's part of why I like Savage Dragon, man. It's that real-time thing. So, not to get off. Uh, off topic but i'm getting off right so how old is batman (laughs) (laughs) how old is batman and how old is nightwing i I think the idea is that nightwing is like 20 and that batman is like i don't know 36 38 that's weird that's still weird that does that doesn't because because that would mean if he was robin as a teenager not really because then batman would have been like 20 or not 20 like 25 16 when 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 Grayson was like 16. Well, yeah, something like that. I mean, it works out. What? Not Ma- well. M- mathematically. <laughs> it's just that you have to kind of accept that Batman is like so perpetually they're... healthy. 
Like all this getting his ass beat isn't right. Doesn't like take the toll it should. Right. And, and being close <laughs> yeah. to forty isn't that much of a detriment. Any anytime I see like a child in corporate comics, I'm always just like, so where's this go? Like when Luke Cage and Jessica Jones had a baby, I was like, all right, well, when's it gonna die? When's it gonna get like? When's it gonna get <laughs> yeah, stolen. stolen or or like magicked away to a different planet? Or oh some man, shit. magicked away. That's the best one. Magic away because oh. or, or yeah they were they were planted there by by Mephisto to manipulate them. <laughs> it was all m- magic. You know? <laughs> Terrible dude. It's the only way it can be done. Uh, yikes. Um, well, then you have a case of like the other uh, Richard's child, mm-hmm. uh, Valeria or whatever her name is, where she died in a miscarriage and then got brought back to life. Ugh. Yes. That is awful. Is like, that like, 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 that? like a decade later. I mean, she, yeah, it's like, uh, they had Franklin and uh-huh. then they were going to have a second kid, but then superhero stuff happened and Sue Richards had a miscarriage. Uh, and then at some point in the future, like in the two thousands and th- this happened in like the eighties, I think not the nineties. Uh-huh. Was this John? Byrne I don't, stuff? Probably. It was probably a John Byrne story. It sounds like a John Byrne story. But in the 2000s, they did this thing where Dr. Doom, like, pulled an alternate reality version of her out of time, <laughs> raised her, no. and then eventually she got returned to, like, the Richardses. I hate everything you just said. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nothing says, can I just say, nothing says escapist fantasy like miscarriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, oh, come on. Horrible. We got Savage Dragon babies bursting out of pregnant girls uh, that's more like the, the that's more like the parent the parent <laughs> is miscarried you know what i mean see uh, raven wouldn't have a problem with miscarriage story in savage dragon it's in because these, it would have ramifications right, right. whereas in corporate <laughs> comics it has to get glossed over pretty much immediately so that's super super rich you can go back to kicking ass in the next issue yeah, you need Spider Man to be, be you need Spider Man to be single. So instead of getting a divorce, the devil undoes his marriage. That's what I don't like. <laughs> uh, if he gets a divorce, he's like unhappy I old know. guy. Well, people wouldn't like divorce Spider Man because he's a jerk. And what's funny is they did him an into the Spider Verse, and everybody loved him. Right. The my relationship <laughs> fell apart. Spider Man. Everybody was like, "Oh, I just love him. I love failed Peter." And I'm like, "God damn, see." You can write a fallen character and have them still be appealing. Whatever. <laughs> what a rant. Yes. So, you know I think it's time to wrap it. this uh, Take show up, Raven. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you know what I, I'm thinking about? A new force to be reckoned with. The Canadian super team, North Force, is looking to recruit a new member to their team. Malcolm Dragon. And, worth noting, if, by some slim chance, you haven't arranged to get your North Force, like, order in, contact your comic shop, get that North Force Zero issue, dude. Get them before the fine art collecting money launderers do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, just saying. That is the one. Like, the next one has North Force on the cover, but then they've also got the North Force, like, variant with the bios as the backup. North Force zero, zero, zero. (laughs) Soon to be a major motion picture. 
North Force. <laughs> Wouldn't it be crazy if North Force took off and like Savage Dragon didn't? <laughs> yes, that would be very crazy. <laughs> just like Canadians, just like super fucking supported North Force. So how many? Forget. So how many? Flight. How many bodies do you think by the end of this issue? Of North Force? Yes. Two fifty nine. Yes. No, they're here for the long. You think they get wasted? <laughs> they get their own cover and then just gone. That'd be insane. That'd be awesome. No way. I'm I'm calling it right now since you ask. Zero bodies. Yeah, I don't. All think bodies. So. The all, whole team. all of them will be dead. Are you being glib? The first five pages. <laughs> right in the previews. Another one of those, Eric. Like I just can't run previews this month. Every page is a spoiler. Goddamn, North Force dies in the first five pages. I want to see the Queen of England no chomping on a cigar, and she turns to the camera and goes, God damn it, get me North Force. <laughs> well, it is, it is, uh, it is, um, oh, well, I don't even know what the word is, but yes, they do have a queen. <laughs> That's what I mean. Uh-oh, I think we went through this before. Fair enough. <laughs> all right i think i thought we were ending thank yes. you listeners thank you everyone for listening uh you can always find us at savagefincast.com uh you can email us at savagefincast at gmail.com find us on youtube's under savage fincast uh you can leave a message on our uh under any episode on our website you can find us on itunes uh google play podcasts spotify uh anchor fm i think that's everything We out. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, listeners.